in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. Welcome everybody, it is Monday, July 10th, this is the Mike Rutherford Show, we're coming to you as always from the remote University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Visit business.louisville.edu to see what the UofL College of Business can do for you. If you ever wanted your MBA but thought maybe I don't have time to do it, UofL College of Business can get you your MBA in just 12 months and make you feel like you're being paid to do so in the process. Visit business.louisville.edu to find out how. We're on the air today from 3 until 6 here on 1450 AM. 96.1 FM, streaming all over the United States of America. You know us better as the Big X. It's Mike Rutherford here with Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, in for Trevor Kelsey as he starts his uh, his week off. we got Scoots today, and then I think every day besides tomorrow, we'll have young Patrick Ryan in here. Uh, Scoots, how are we feeling today? I know three hours of radio. It's daunting after doing you know, morning radio and then your other job. I mean, you're just a... It's working nine to five, working nine to six, working like seven to six for you this week. It's working six forty-five to six. Good so Lord. yeah, almost twelve-hour days this week. But it's, it's going to be much. all right. Now, it it is, but so I've got forty radio hours this week, which is pretty cool. I don't know that I've ever had a full forty <laughs> in the radio land, so that's going to be r real fun. So you looking forward both. to it. Uh, I mean, what can we do to make this easier on you? Oh, what? nothing. I mean, just as long as we keep talking, keep talking, interesting topics. I know you're a big Reds guy. I'm a big Reds guy, so I'm sure we'll have some Reds moments this week. But yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm good. We can make that happen. Uh, we, we've got plenty to get to today, sports wise, and I'm sure we'll get off the beaten path. Maybe less than usual with Trevor not here, but yeah. uh, I'm sure that that will happen. Uh, I, I did have to raz TK a little bit over the weekend for the Blue Jays getting no hit, which was hilarious. I don't think he even knew that it happened. He didn't oh, that, was it the Tigers? Is that what it was? They got no hit by who threw the no hitter? Was Didn't it, the, Tigers, the Tigers? They it was like a team no hitter. I think I think that's right. I think yeah, that's what happened. Okay. But it was the Jays who just could They're not terrible. squander a single hit, and uh, he didn't see for like a, a day, so I don't think he even <laughs> knew it was going on. But he had some thoughts on the Reds. We, we can get to all that. We will talk some Reds. First place at the All Star break. It's all happening. It feels good. We also want to hear from you today. Hit us up on the Thornton's text line by texting into the show at 502-414-1450. While you're at it. Download that Refreshing Rewards app from Thornton's. Go to your app store, search Thornton's, search uh, Refreshing Rewards. Wherever you want to search, you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Download that bad boy. It's going to save you money every time you need to fuel up at the pump or grab something inside any one of the uh, 89,313 area Thornton's locations. 
There's that many of them for a reason. They know what the hell they're doing. They're fantastic at their jobs. Uh, text us after you do that at 502-414-1450. We'll catch up with you today. Lots to get to today, and I know I say that sometimes, and I don't really mean it. Today, I do mean it. Uh, we've got Kenny Payne talked. Kenny Payne has spoken to the media. Wow. Our long regional nightmare, summer regional nightmare, has come to a close. Kenny Payne went on the John Rothstein podcast uh, and discussed last season, discussed his current roster, discussed the look ahead. I think it was taped like like a, a week and a half ago, I believe, is, is what I was told. The interview? Yeah, it was not a a fresh thing. Rothstein likes to, you know, when, when there are big events like the, you know, the the Peach Jam right now or some of the other AAU tournaments, like he'll do a bunch of interviews in you know like a, a couple of days and then save them up and then release them all as as time goes on to kind of make it seem like he's talking. Seems kind of cheap. Yeah, it, it is what it is. It's it, is that it's, is that common practice for coaches? I mean, I think it, not coaches, but like for podcast people, a lot of times oh, okay. like who have podcasts like he does, mm-hmm. it, it, he'll do it like that. Gotcha. And John Rothstein, look, is not. He's never going to come off the top rope with a coach. He's very complimentary. He's very much a coach's uh, friendly guy. So this was a it was a friendly environment for Kenny Payne, which is is why you, you take the interview, and I understand that. But the, the questions were what you expect. We'll, we'll get into the answers. Some I thought were were good. Some I thought were not so good. And it, it's more or less going to be the same conversation we've had a number of times before, just doing it on July 10th. So that's good. We've got uh, a, a college football projection for Louisville. That's not good. This is a, a startling change. We've been talking about how they've a, all been good. Everybody is on the Louisville <laughs> bandwagon this summer, and I kind of I, I want a little bit of your bulletin board material. We finally got a little bit of that from College Football News. We'll discuss that. Speaking of John Rostin, he did also make his summer ACC power rankings. We'll talk about where Louisville falls in that. We'll talk about the Reds. I watched soccer last night. We can get to that. I've got some thoughts there, and, and we have the TBT roster for the Ville team has been finalized. We'll dis- stacked. They are stacked. We'll discuss all that. We can play who's your starting lineup, all that good stuff. Uh, we, we'll, we're going to have a good time today. We'll have fun with all of that. And, of course, we'll we'll discuss Earl Sanity because everyone knows. I mean, I got more texts about Earl Clark coming here than I think I did any any red stuff or anything else over the weekend. Very excited about that. Uh, but first, Scoots, uh, how was the weekend? I know you're a, a long working week. Did you get at least a little bit of time off this weekend just to, to scoot it up? I did, yeah. So I had a Friday night off. Uh, what did I do? I don't think I did much on Friday night, but I had a golf scramble on Saturday morning. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Typically, it's my worst golf scramble of the year. Not my personal worst, <laughs> but my team's worst. We're just, I think last year we were two over. So this oh, year, God. this year we show up and this thing kicks off at eight or tees off at eight. There's storms coming about 11 30, 12. So they capped each hole at par. So we were like, "That's All awesome! Right. We can't, we can't be too over." So we ended up shooting five under. Probably would have had a couple bogeys sprinkled in if we didn't have the par pickup rule. So we finished five under. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then I worked yesterday. Where'd so you play? We played at Old Cap. Oh, Old Capital. Love, love Old Cap. Yeah, it's one of it's. I, I always say it's one of my favorite courses in the area, but I think it is my favorite course in the area. It's it's so much fun. Some of the elevation change you get there, and it's just always in such consistently good shape. Yeah, I enjoy, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the gazebo on 18. A little, they still have that little, like, they do. The little sitting yeah. area. If, yeah. if you ever do a remote out there, that's where you'll, where you'll do your remote from. I'm ready. I'm ready yeah. for it to happen. I, I've only played there, I think, a couple of times. Oh, it's great. I had a good time both times. It, it was, is it, great. It's it pre, it's pretty tough course, but it is. it's it's a lot of fun. And you're right about the elevation changes. It definitely makes it... Makes it interesting. Their greens kind of irritate me because it's like putting on glass. I mean, you got to leave if you on your approach shots. You've got to leave it 
10, 15 yards short of the green if you want to land it on the green. Otherwise, you land on the front of the green, it's going off the back almost every time. That's real golf. Uh, it's why I just I, need to learn how to backspin. That's see, what I need to do. That's why I can't play at like really, really nice courses or play well at really, really nice courses because mm-hmm. you know you, you'll play at some of these courses. Like when we played Valhalla a couple months ago, like, you'll have caddies and they'll tell you, you know, you, you need to just like if you can just cut it in over the bunker. If you if you pl- can play a fade here, you can. I'm like I'm just trying to hit the ball in the air. Exactly. I, I can't. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. And there are courses like that where I just, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever do this, but I'll hit a shot where I can tell right away that I, I caught a little bit too much of it. And I'm like, I don't know how to spin the ball back, but like, I'm like, spin back, right? Stop! Like, I'm like, come on, get lucky. Maybe, maybe it just will miraculously happen for me, and it just never does. And I end up, yeah, the, the ball rolls 25 feet past where I. Now went. I can assume you've probably played the Cardinal Club a handful of times. I have, okay, yeah. so I get to play there. John Spears, I'm playing on his team for the media scramble out there. It'll be my first time. I'm real excited. The U of L one? Yeah, I've always really wanted to play out there. So I'll be there. I had to miss last year for the first time because it was it was uh, under the weather, but I will be there this year. I'm excited about that. I've won it twice. Nice. The team that always wins this thing is it's somebody who has one of the the women's golf players, the women's golf coach on it. Because oh, they okay. get to tee off from the, the ladies' right, tees. Yeah, that's such a big advantage. But, you, know, you have to do it because it, you also have some, like, Ladies who are media members there, so you can't just like be like, well, the golfers have to play from the men's tees, but the the, the lady media members have to play from the. La-. So I I get it, but also like the, the the women's golf coach it was Courtney Trumbull back in the day. I know I played with her. I played with Katie um, Petrino Petrino one time. Who was when she was on the golf team. Like they're better than we are. Yeah, oh, they, yeah. they're way better than we are. Yeah. They hit the ball f- as far as we do. And then they get on some of these holes like an 80-yard advantage. So we're hitting two from like 65 yards out every single hole. That's how it always works. But a couple of times I have been on the the winning team, not that I necessarily deserve to win. But Cardinal <laughs> Club is great. The one time I played – so I've played Cardinal Club a number of times. One time I played, I got invited out there just by a buddy who was a member. And I remember it were like – this is way harder than it's ever been. I don't know. It's like, like talking about greens that were, were like, like glass. Like I, I was just like, I'm three putting everything. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. The rough feels way thicker. I'm shooting like, you know, I usually will we'll shoot decent there for me. And I'm shooting like, a, like I'm struggling to break 100. And we get off and, and the buddy I'm with sees Mark Crabtree, who's the U of L men's golf coach. And he's like, he's like man, it's, it's tough out there. He's like, oh, yeah, we were hosting the ACC tournament next week, so we've got it set up for that. And I was like, well, that ex- that, that explains that. Uh, it was it was way, way So tougher. was that the best condition you'd ever seen it in? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the condition was great, but it was also just impossibly difficult. Oh, I'm sure. Like yeah. the slope rating, which I don't really understand, was like set for like a U.S. Open slope. I was like, okay, this, this, this makes me feel a little bit better. But I, I thought it was like just – I've progressively just gotten somehow – Ten times worse was than the, last month. What was the green number? Was it? Were they rolling at a twelve? I th- <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. When people talk about that, oh, they're rolling well, at a nine. What it was. Like what the hell's that mean? He's like, we're at a thirteen right now. Like typically, <laughs> the U.S. Open will be like at a, at a, a four. I was like, I, I don't get that. But all I know, it was it was insanely hard and it made it not fun for me to play. But anyways, uh, that was yeah. I've still only played the one and a half rounds of golf so far this year, but I'm excited to get out there for the media scramble. It's early this year. I think it's this month. Uh, yeah, I think at the end of the month, yeah. It's like, yeah, because it, it used to always be, it was like the unofficial start of the athletic season. I feel like it was always the first or second weekend of August. And now I think it's become, it's like the the Monday, maybe like the 24th, maybe like two weeks from today. Uh, regardless, we'll be out there. So you have two scrambles coming up. And the Big X scramble. That's I committed right. to playing the Big X scramble. I heard scramble. that. I believe that will be. That's big news. Do you have a team? No, I, mean, I, I assumed I would have a team with me. <laughs> <laughs> have a team provided for me. <laughs> I mean, I can find friends. To you play can have with. Trevor. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, thanks. 
I don't know if I, I – Trevor will, will putt. You ever seen him swing a golf club? No, but I've heard it's bad. Yeah, he did a – Trevor tries it a few years ago, and it was pretty awful. I'm sad that I miss Trevor tries it. I, I, I wish like, – You should reignite it. I kind of want to because now, like, Trevor, I think – Or you all changed the name of it, and it was something better. What was it? Do you remember what it was? Because you all have discussed this before. We have. I, I feel like Trevor, as time passes and he doesn't do anything – he kind of just starts to think again that he's still 15 and can like do things that he was, which I get. Like, and the man thinks he can pole vault. So. Yeah, w- when you haven't done anything in a long time, you just kind of assume. Like I, I threw a baseball at full speed once in one of those machines a f- like, like a year ago, and you realize, oh, I can't. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel the same way it did when I was 18 years old. Uh, I, I think that Trevor, this happens to him commonly, where when he just goes a long period of time without doing anything, he's like, yeah, I could beat every sixth grader in one-on-one in basketball in the world. And you're like, I don't think you could beat half the sixth graders mm-hmm. in one-on-one basketball in the world. And maybe it would be nice and a little bit humbling for him to get out there and actually do something physical and just make him realize that, that times have changed. If nothing else, I've learned over the years, and I'm sure you have as well, he's not lacking confidence. He's not. which is, But it's a false confidence. <laughs> which is, you know, maybe that needs – maybe you need to have a little bit less confidence. Yeah. Like, I will every now and then – But like, then it kind of gets self-loathing. Yeah, well, you don't want it to go too far. Right. You want to have confidence, but also like a, a realistic confidence. Like I reckon, I was playing. Uh, you know, my my nephew plays basketball at Trinity. Like he's he's very good, and I used to be able to beat him when he was 10, 11. and now I I, re- I fully recognize when we get out there and we're playing a little bit. I I can't play. Like I, I'm not, and so I don't really try as much. But I, I yeah, I've come to that realization over time. It's just like I, I can't. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten way better. He's much more of a uh, basketball player than I have ever been or ever will be, and I think Trevor still thinks that like when he like, he, he beat a kid when he was six at one on one that he can beat him when he's twenty. And I just maybe that that thought process needs to change. A little. I don't know that Trevor was ever any good at basketball. I can't imagine. Look, he's big. You said it. Not he me. he can post up probably. I saw him shoot free throws against Nick Coffee when they did like a, a like a kind of a Trevor tries it thing back in the day as well. The form wasn't terrible. No, the form was not terrible. Okay. He did not win said challenge, <laughs> but I think he made like two out of five free throws, which was forty percent. It was more than I was expecting to be quite. It's better than his dating success rate. It, well, <laughs> that's another topic. I do love the the fact that he still doles out dating advice. That was the one thing that people talked to me this weekend. We had a couple of birthday parties to go to. Talk to some people who've listened to the show, and they think it's so funny that <laughs> Trevor will, in one minute, admit that he has. He's not. I'll be be more <laughs> classy than he. He's not been with a woman in a long time. Has not his, his dating history is has gone dry recently. And then, like five minutes later, he'll be giving out in depth <laughs> advice about what you need to do and how to make this happen. It's just he, he's a he's a walking enigma, and I love him for it. Uh, maybe we can catch up with TK at some point this week. We'll find out what's going on. He there. texted me yesterday at like nine thirty in the morning, he, and I was like, "What are you doing?" He was like, "Yeah, it's six thirty out here." I was like, "You're that is wild." When he's on the these road trips, yeah, the I can never keep track of like where he is or what's going on because like like he he operates at a different Trevor time yeah. than he does when like normally I know if it's one a.m. like that's peak Trevor. He's yeah. you need he's, to get a hold of him. That's yeah, what he's you out call. and about. Yeah, no, if, and if something happens at like ten a.m. that I need to like have happened for the show which is pretty frequent i'm like well he'll see this at 2 30 so but when he's out on you know, when he's away i never really know exactly what's going on so maybe he'll chime in sometimes he listens to the show and he's he's on break i'm assuming he's not or he would have already weighed in at this point but uh, we'll keep tabs on tk i also i wanted to because people have already asked in the text line i don't know if, if 
this was on your radar at all this weekend, Scoots, but I've mentioned several times before, most recently going up to the Reds game in in May, one of my oldest friends, a guy I played baseball with my entire life growing up, was the, the hitting coach for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. And he got fired yesterday. No! Which was, so people have asked you. Oh, they have been horrible. They, they have been, they have not been uh, overachieving. I think Aaron Boone, maybe the best player in baseball being out, Probably play, play a Aaron little Judge. bit. Of, Aaron Judge, thank you. Aaron Boone, the manager, uh, formerly one of the best players mm-hmm. in baseball, at least when he was for with sure. the Reds. Yeah. Um, but Aaron Judge being out for a long time probably has has had something to do with that. But the Yankees, their offensive numbers are are bad. They're like thirtieth in in batting average. They're like twenty second in OPS. They're just they're way down. And so, I, you know, Yankees fans who are notoriously impatient if to, to put it lightly have been <laughs> i see what they they say about dylan uh, for a long time but brian cashman has been a guy who said on the record a number of times over the years like he does not believe in midseason firings whether it's manager or staff Ooh. or whatever like he's never done it before has never fired a coach midseason so imagine my shock yesterday when i get a text from from friends who are like hey uh hearing that, that this is not going to be a good day for dylan or it has, has already happened uh have talked to to him just via text, and what he said was to make it even more brutal. And Dylan's going to be fine. I mean, he's he was the hitting coach for the New York Bleeping Yankees. He's going to get another job yeah. uh, pretty quickly. But he was like, I got called into Aaron Boone's office, and Cashman comes in via FaceTime and starts talking, giving the whole like, you know, you're, you're going to get let go spiel. And he's like, Cashman's a big practical joker. I thought it was a prank. Oh my god! And I was like, oh. That is even more brutal. He's like, he's like, one, he's like, I'm thinking Cashman does this sort of stuff all the time, like, like just pranks. Two, he's not going to fire me over FaceTime. And lo and behold, that's exactly what wound up Oof. happening. Uh, and and the, the Yankees, I believe, I don't know if it's official yet, but they're, they're going to hire Sean Casey, which I want to hate the Yankees so much, and I still do. They, you know, they, I, I never liked him before, and now they fire one of my good friends. So I, I hope they lose out. But I love Sean Casey. He's like one of the best Reds of all time, one of the most likable Reds of all time. And it makes sense why they would hire him. Him and Aaron Boone are legitimately best friends. Like they are, they are BFFs. And if Boone wants somebody, it's weird to bring in a new hitting coach in the middle of a season. You know, you're not going to you know, typically, especially at a place with the Yankees. The hitting coach is going to work with guys in the spring training a little bit, but he's not going to coach them. These are people making 50 times as much as Dylan is. Like Dylan's like, you know, what do I tell Aaron? He's like, every now and then I'll have like a little swing thought for Aaron Judge, but I'm not – like these guys all have their own practices. They all have their own things. He's like, you're basically there to just try to give some sort of general overview and talk to the coaches about it and kind of go over video with guys. But like you know, they're kind of, kind of do their own thing. And so bringing in Sean Casey makes a lot of sense. He's a – He's a guy who's he's a kind of a player's coach. He's a player's people. He's just a people person. Where's he at now? I think he's he's been doing commentating stuff for a long okay. time. I don't Has know he if he's gotten into coaching. Like yeah, I, I didn't think he had coached yet. Which I mean, kind of makes sense because you know you're not going to be like, hey, it's it's July 12th. We're bringing an entire everyone's going to hit this way. We're going to you know bat on shoulders yeah. until you swing. Like you're just you're not going to do that. So you kind of just want somebody who can. And it's a weird thing with baseball because if the Yankees just magically start hitting or if Judge gets healthy and the numbers go up, Casey will get a lot of credit for that when maybe he's not doing a whole lot. But uh, I was very bummed for Dylan. I hope that he will – I think he'll probably take a little bit of time off this summer. And then I can see him – I don't know if he'll get a a lead hitting coach job with another MLB franchise, 
But I can see him going back into the role where he was really good with the Yankees, which was he was overseeing their entire minor league hitting operation. Hmm. I can see him doing something else like that. But it is I mean, he's an easy scapegoat. He's a guy he, – he played baseball at Transy. He didn't play big league baseball. He, you know, he, he came up through the ranks as a sort of a, a new analytic-driven guy who had all these, these kind of new ideas that worked really well at Missouri and worked really well in the minor league ranks. And hey, Brian Cashman kind of fell in love with that mentality – and so he's 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 going to be it'd be tough for another really proud organization to take a, a shot on him, but uh, I think he'll get a he'll get a good job again. He'll be fine. But uh, it was a bummer to see the Yankees pull the trigger on him. It'll see. It also is it's surreal seeing you know this kid I've known since I was eight years old, like on the bottom line, like all these updates on it, like like the number four like trending topic on Twitter when I'm at this birthday party. Yeah, it's, that's it's, wild. It's a weird thing. Um, but he and again. He'll be fine. I was glad I got to see him up there in Cincinnati for while he was still holding the gig. And look, they fired him after a win too, which was kind of weird. Tell him to come to the Reds. We don't necessarily need a hitting coach, but I mean that's the thing. You never know who the hitting or pitching coaches are until like stuff starts going bad. You know who needs a hitting coach? Did you watch any of the Brewers series this weekend? I did. Who's the kid for the Brewers? He held his bat up real high, like Craig Council, and then he dropped it on his shoulder, and he's got that wide stance that's open, and he's late on every single swing. He is. He's terrible. The worst, so the, the, the game on Friday night where Abbott was pitching, Jeff Brantley, the Cowboy, is talking about, like, he's like, if, if you make your pitches in the right place to this guy, like, you should strike him out. Mm-hmm. He's going to be late on everything. Like, the swing is just so funky. But if you do make a mistake – He's got a, a ton of power, and like that's the only. And oh, sure he enough, swung hard. Like the next pitch, the dude hits a two-run bomb in the, the the second inning, which I mentioned on on Friday when we were talking about the series. I was like, I feel like the Brewers always score early against the Reds. We need to just get through the first couple of innings, and we'll be fine. Sure enough, they scored in the first inning in all three games, including yesterday, where that was the only run of the game, uh, the the run in the first inning that was only only happened because Spencer Steer made a terrible error on the the, the first hit of the game. Uh, which kind of sucked, but yeah, the that guy's got a a funky swing. They could use Dylan or yeah, somebody else. It's to, ugly to help fix it. Um, we're going to talk about. Uh, I guess we we could take a break here in just a second. We'll, we'll get into the. God, the internet here just sucks. <laughs> I can't get anything to work. We, we'll get into the Kenny Payne stuff first when we we come back from the break. We'll talk about his responses to the. I mean, John Rothstein again. It's a a comfortable setting for any head coach. He's the guy who texts every head coach in the morning. You know, good luck today. Have a great day. All this stuff. Like, you know, he wants to be buddy buddy with the coaches. So you're not going to get any. You know, was it embarrassing to just win four games or anything like that? Like, you're going to get pretty softball questions. But he did go into last season and and ask questions like, would you have done anything differently? How did this happen? You know, how do you feel about the the rebuilding process? And I thought there were some things that Kenny Payne said that were pretty enlightening. Uh, there were some things that were, that felt like a massive retread from last season. There were some things that I, I think kind of made you feel a little bit more inspired for this season. And then there were some things where you were like, I just, I, I still don't know if he gets it. I still feel like we're, we're hearing a lot of the same stuff that we heard last season when we were so frustrated. So we can get into all that. And then John Rothstein, after having that conversation, presumably put out his ACC power ranking. So did Kenny Payne's words have an effect on him? Where did he wind up putting Louisville for next season? Because that becomes the question. We all know there's been a talent upgrade on the roster. We all at least hope there's been a talent upgrade in the <laughs> roster. It, it seems like there's a talent upgrade in the roster. How much of a difference can that make? Surely to God, well, they are. They're going to win more than four games. I've, that, that is a Mike Rutherford guarantee. We're three for three with Mike Rutherford guarantees in the show. Number four is that Louisville will win at least five games next year in men's basketball. I'm going out on a limb. 
I'm willing to put myself out there. They're going to be better than they were a year ago, but can they be markedly better? Can they make such an improvement that you feel confident, not just in the current state of UFL basketball, but the future in UFL basketball under Kenny Payne? So we'll talk about that after the break. I'm sure you guys will have plenty of thoughts on that as well. 502-414-1450, the Thornton Sex Line. Keep it locked right here. More Mike Rutherford Show is next here on 1450 and 96.1. I've got another confession. Now, did Trevor leave music, or is this all scoots? Uh, this is Trevor music. Yeah. This is Trevor. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. I feel like Trevor has never played Foo Fighters before. He uh, he asked me last night. He was like, "Do you want me to send music, or you just want to do your own thing?" And of course, I was like, "Well, doing my own thing's more work, so you can just go ahead and send music." <laughs> you made the right call. <laughs> uh, I was just I was surprised. not that picking music's hard, but, yeah, but it just saves me a little work. Well, you talk to Trevor; it's it's he's like I do. Five hours of my day <laughs> picking the music. Uh, welcome back in. TK is gone for the week. It's okay. We soldier on here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, the big X. I think the big news today in the world of Cardinal sports is Kenny Payne speaking for really the first time in any sort of official capacity since the end of the season, which is wild to think about. But we have not heard from him since the press conference after the Boston College loss in the ACC tournament back in early March. Uh, he went on John Rothstein's podcast. I don't if you type in John Rothstein podcast, you'll be able to find it. That's all I know. I can't remember the name of the actual podcast, but if you want to check it out there, it's only about a – the podcast episode is like 27 minutes. The pain interview is about 19, 20 minutes. So, it's called College Hoops Today. College Hoops Today. Uh, the a, a, I'm not going to say it. He's John Rothstein. Interesting cat for sure. He's the college basketball robot, but uh, he, he does produce a he's, – he's an insider. He has a lot of good content. Uh, tends to know about a lot of news before anybody else, but he had Kenny Payne on the podcast. I think it was taped, like I said earlier in the show, about a week and a half ago is my understanding. But he asked Kenny Payne kind of the the, the broad overview questions you would expect for a, a summer interview from a national host. A lot about last season, a lot about the upgrades on the, the roster, a lot about the expectations for next season. And again, some of the things that, that Kenny said I thought were, were – I thought he gave some good answers. I thought there were some things that were – concern-inducing for the future under his guidance. But uh, we'll get to it. It started off with just a kind of a, a rehash of last season and what happened, how you move forward. And Kenny Payne, a number of times throughout this interview, said these were basically the cards we were dealt. Like, it, it, we knew it wasn't going to be good. We... I don't think he he said we didn't think it was going to be that bad, but he's like we knew it wasn't going to be good. This is the these are the cards we were dealt. He brings up the NCA stuff on multiple occasions. He brings up once again the fact that people thought we were going to get the death penalty, which I don't think is true at all. Uh, I think he I, my guess whenever he brings that up is he's referring to the Pat Forty article from like 2018, 2019, which stated 
if anybody deserves to get the, the death penalty, it should be Louisville. I don't think anybody was actually prognosticating or forecasting that Louisville might get the death penalty, and yet that still has become a, a, a talking point. He, he then talked about the roster assembly for this upcoming season, which we, we've discussed ad nauseum basically since last season ended. And here is the, the, the quote that I think has gotten a lot of attention from Louisville fans, where he discusses, you know, we've got a lot of young players in this roster. We did not go out there and, and get a ton of transfer portal guys like most big programs are doing right now. But he said, quote, you can get guys out of the portal and have success for a year. I would rather build a program and do it the right way. Get young people and have a good mixture of veteran guys. You have some stability, not just for a year. He also referred to the transfer portal at one point as a necessary evil and kind of crazy. Like, he's like, well, not evil, but it's very clear that Kenny Payne does not want to, to work with the transfer portal as much as some of the top programs are going out there and doing. I, I think my problem with the quote the way that it is, and, and Scoots, you're a college basketball guy. You, you follow Indiana very closely. I'm sure you have thoughts on, on roster assembly in this day and age as well. Referring to it as the right way, I think is just a it's an outdated philosophy and it's ironic because I think it's the way that people used to talk about when they would talk down to Kentucky when Kenny Payne was there and they were bringing in a bunch of one and dones and they were having success that way. You know, the, the, the contrast to that and God knows as Louisville fans, we, we talked about this all the time and Rick Pitino would kind of, I don't think he ever said it explicitly, but he would kind of dance around it. You know, it, it was being painted as that's the wrong way to do things. It's quick. It's easy. It's simple, but, the right way to build a program is the traditional way. Go out and get freshmen, have them develop their skills. If they're good enough when they're juniors to go pro, then then so be it. But we want guys who we, we want to get old and stay old by building in players, by bringing in young players, getting letting them get progressively better, having them come along slowly and then star as juniors and seniors. And that was always seen as the right way. And I thought I, I will always take up for. UK at that point in time, because I always thought that was ridiculous. If you can get the, there's no coach in America that would pass on the best players in any recruiting class. The issue is Calipari was just getting them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that Kenny Payne now is kind of doing the, he's going against the new En Vogue route, which is a bunch of transfer portal players trying to keep some guys from last year's roster that, that you think can be good. And he's still coming out and saying, I think this is the right way to do things. Getting young guys and then developing them. In an ideal world, sure. But my issue, it's not just the lack of getting transfer portal players. It's the fact that, and I know that every coach probably thinks they're different and they have different relationships with their players, and maybe Kenny Payne does. But in this day and age, what guarantee do you have that any player is going to be here next season, right? Like, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you may think that I'm bringing in Curtis Williams, Caleb Glenn, they may play a little bit this year, then they'll play more next year, and they'll be great college players as juniors and seniors. Who's to say that Curtis Williams isn't looking out there at the landscape of college basketball next season and saying, I should have played 25 minutes on that team last year. I'm going to go somewhere else. There are, just, there are no guarantees. Case in point, Trey White, who L is going to rely on heavily and who Payne had nice things to say about later in the podcast, I don't think that Andy Enfield thought for a moment that Trey White wasn't going to be back last year at USC. He was uh, all-rookie team in the Pac-12. He played pretty big-time minutes on an NCAA tournament team. I'm sure he thought, hey, like this is this is good for a freshman at a program like ours. He'll be back. No. He finds a new situation for himself. Goes, like, my point of all this is 
I think that referring to things as the right and the wrong way in, in this day and age in college basketball is just not really understanding the landscape of the program. And it's also ignoring the fact that all these other programs that are having success are going out and getting at least three, four, five transfer portal players every single year now. I think so take this with a grain of salt. I'm sure. not so, cuz I'm not married, but I've always kind of thought about college basketball as like a marriage. Like there's there's you can go about a marriage a thousand different ways and succeed in that marriage, you know what I mean? Sure. Like you you can some marriages will have better communication, some marriages will have better this or that. It, college basketball is the same way. I don't think there's one way like tunnel vision, you do this, you're going to win a championship. I mean there's We've seen how many different types of champions over the last few years. I mean, there's there's so many guys that have found different ways to win it. So I've always thought of it kind of like that. But in terms of the transfer portal, what is this, year like two or three now for the transfer portal? With the immediate eligibility, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm curious to how it changes once we get through the first like four-year cycle of the transfer portal. How, how Then how does it go from here? Because I, I don't imagine a world where – guys are just able to transfer freely whenever they want. And I know part of that had to do with the COVID stuff. They they were able to get their waiver for the COVID reasons. So I don't even know if they can. Can they get two different transfer portal waivers now once the COVID stuff is gone and they get through that first cycle? Of- Technically, and the reason why you are still seeing so many guys that are trained, like he's been played for four programs in five years, yeah. is if you have graduated, you're immediately eligible wherever you go. And guys are graduating so soon. I mean, that's Haley Van Lith. She she yeah. could have she would have had, had her one time transfer, but she graduated in three years. So you're seeing a lot of players that are graduating in in three years. So now, can she take this one year at LSU and then say she goes on to try for her masters? Can she go to another school then per se? I don't think she can because she didn't play here during the COVID season, right? I think she was her that's first. True. Her, yeah. So she, we're we're now getting to the point where we're moving past the extra COVID, which year, is great. We don't have to keep track of one God, through six. I'm so just from a personal <laughs> standpoint. Yeah, I just I, I cannot deal with the thinking everybody's a redshirt sophomore at this point. But I mean, right now the rule is if you've graduated, you can transfer wherever. Mm-hmm. But players who are asking for the end, the waiver players who have already used their one time transfer and have not graduated and are trying to become immediate eligible like they're getting rubber stamped like the NCAA is basically just approving any and all waivers right now that probably will change i think the coaches want to see that change um so my hunch is that you're correct we're going to get back to a point in time where yeah graduate transfers you will see guys that graduate in 3 years and then play like their fourth and fifth seasons in two different schools in two different years but for like the Matt Crosses of the world who go from Miami to Louisville to UMass and then we'll see what happens from here like he would not in i think i think a couple of years from now he would not have been eligible to play that that third season at UMass unless right. he'd gotten the waiver because you know we fired Chris Mack and he had 15 different now, coaches what do in two you, years. What do you default all this to? Is it just the kids getting bad advice? Is it kids being impatient and thinking they could get better opportunities elsewhere? Is it kids chasing championships? Like what? Why have we seen so much transfer portal movement? All of the above. I, mean, I think it's, 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 like you said, it's unique to every situation, but I think that I think that there would have been more of this back in the day if, if this rule had been in place. I mean, think about all the – look at the coaching turnover. Every mm-hmm. And not just head coaches. Assistant coaches are notorious for going from program to program to program, trying to – like everybody's trying to better their situation. And, and the players have always been exempt from that. And I think that now that's changing. I, I mean, if you're, if you're a mid-major player who has a good year, not even like you – know, let's say your third-team all-mid-American conference at Kent State, 
you can now take that and go be like a role player at North Carolina or be like a role player at a, at a school that has a legitimate shot at playing deep in the NCAA tournament where you, you'll play on national TV all the time. And I think a lot of people are leveraging that. I think the NIL mm-hmm. is, is playing a part in this as well. Um, but, I mean, a lot of times kids just – we're talking – and I think we forget about this all the time. We're talking about 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Think about yourself at that age. Like, yeah. you know, if, if you had offered me a better situation, just a better college, like, hey, more attractive girls, easier classes, like – we all would jump at the opportunity sure. for a better chance at that age. You heard, I, I thought it was really enlightening to hear Peyton Siva talk uh, a couple of months ago. He was like, you know, I came in here as a McDonald's All-American. I played behind Edgar Sosa as a true freshman. I thought I deserved more playing time. He's like, if, this had, if I had been playing right now, I probably would have left after my freshman season and gone somewhere else. Probably would have gone back to the West Coast, somewhere where they knew me more, and I felt like I and could get my minutes. And he was on the championship team, Yeah, right? and, and he was like, and it would have been the worst thing that, that could have happened to me. He's yeah. like, I got so much better as time went on. I put in the work. I, I reaped the rewards. And I do think that you're seeing that being taken away from a lot of kids. Now, I just wish there was more loyalty. I do, too. I mean, I, I in a perfect world, and I don't, there's nothing you can do. You can't just tie these kids down and say, you, you signed a deal. You've got to stay here for at least four seasons or whatever. But in a perfect world, I think every fan would like to see kids come and stay and develop and really get to know them. I mean, that was the thing that when we were at the height of the Patino versus Calipari stuff in like 2012 through 2015, that was the one thing where I think UK fans, my friends and family members who who cheer for Kentucky, were at least a little bit envious. You know, they would say like, "I, I do miss getting to know the players. There are stories that you find out about these kids after three or four years that, you know, if they're only on campus for seven months, you never hear about. Mm-hmm. We didn't find the story about Peyton Siva saving his dad's life and that whole background and that whole – we didn't find that out until the early part of his senior season. If he transfers or goes pro or whatever, like we never – you know, you, you never hear that. We never get to know Russ Smith probably in this day and age. We don't get to know about his wacky antics and <laughs> the Waffle House stuff and all the stuff that made those runs so much fun. Now – does all of that come second to winning? Of course it does. All of this. Everything we're talking about comes second to winning. But I do sort of miss the 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 age where occasionally you were going to have a transfer, maybe one or two, but it was mostly going to be guys that you knew and you'd watch develop over the course of, of two, three, four years. And I think that that's what Kenny Payne's going for. I think the issue that we have now as UofL fans is we look around the landscape of college basketball and we don't see that as feasible anymore. If he can pull it off, great. I mean, if you can get Trenton Flowers, if he has a great freshman season to stay for one more year, awesome. If you can get Dennis Evans to, like he said in his in the the, the press release for Evans signing, develop into the one of the best big men in all of college basketball, fantastic. I think the issue is we just we see the turnover at every program, even programs that are huge and having success, and we're all a little bit jaded as far as believing that that can happen, but. Look, it's on Kenny Payne to, to prove us wrong in that regard. By the way, in the future, when I'm doing the show with you and you bring up a MAC team, if you could just refer to my favorite team, Eastern, <laughs> Eastern Michigan, Michigan, that would be great. <laughs> the $600 kids, $500 <laughs> kids. Um, Payne was also asked about last year as opposed to this year and you know what, what's going to be different. And he, he said the, the, the biggest thing is the talent upgrade which he has said a number of times. He, you know, he, he speaks, he, he's not trying to pile on last year's team or anything, but he is very willing to say, like, he's very willing to imply, like, those guys sucked at basketball. It, it was a terrible team, terrible talent. We're going to be way more talented this year. And he, he also said, quote, when I look at last year as opposed to this year, obviously we didn't have the wins and losses that we wanted to have, but I walk away saying I gave those kids everything I had. 
Now I have a new group, and I think we are headed in the right direction. He also said, in in regards to last season, it's not anybody's fault. It's just the cards we were all dealt. It's part of the process of going through all of the investigations from the NCAA and not being able to get the type of player that deserves to be in this program. This is just a, this is a maybe a personal thing. I, I don't think that it's, it's not like he owes us to say this or, or anything like that. But I would have, and this goes back to last season as well, like I wanted to hear and I still want to hear more of just like the, the mentality of this was unacceptable. And at the end of the day, that falls on me. I, I wish I could have a little bit more accountability because, again, we're not talking about a historically bad Louisville season where the team went 14-19, and 19, which is nowhere near the standard that the program has. We're talking about winning four games at bleeping Louisville. When that happens, it has to be an all-systems failure, right? To, to win four, it's almost impossible to win fewer than 10 games at, at a program like Louisville. So impossible that nobody listening to the show has ever seen it before or had ever seen it before. And he won four. I would like to hear a little bit more of the, it's everybody's fault. Like you don't have to shoulder the entire blame, but I would like to hear more of the, yeah, obviously there were some things that I would like to do differently. In fact, he gets asked straight up, would you have done anything differently last season? And he says no, which. That's wild is wild. I, I get believing in the direction that you went in the program. I get saying, look, I gave everything I had. I love those kids. They gave the effort. We kept them engaged, all this stuff. But when you win, for, like, even in that situation, you, you can go back and be like, well, if I, if I knew what I know now, I would do, maybe I'd file at the end of the right State game. Maybe, I, maybe I'd tell L. Ellis, hey, get the shot off in, in the App State game a little bit early. Maybe I would you know, play a little, like, I think that's just a, a logical answer is to be like, well, you know, of course, like I, I'm not, I, I'm not upset about the way he, that I coached last year, but like I would do certain things differently because we won four games. But does he say no? He wouldn't change anything because that's what the fan base as a whole would want to hear. I don't think so. Because I, mean, I just I can't imagine there's there's a lot like you that are like I want to know what he would change. Everybody just wants to see the rainbows and sunshine. I, not everybody. I mean, I think it's it, I, again, it's hard to tell in this day and age. I think it's fairly evenly split. I think that that you've got a lot of people that certainly are trying to be optimistic. You, you've got the group that is optimistic about everything. Nothing is is Kenny Payne's fault. Everything's going to be fine. Just you wait and see, and that's that's fine. You have the group that is very upset that with what happened last year, but still thinks that things can get better. I think that group, in addition to the group that is like, this sucks, and I don't think it's going to get better. I think they would like to hear him say, "Yeah, I mean, we won four games." Obviously, I would do certain things differently. Obviously, I would, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a total philosophy overhaul. Just you won four games, like change something. Like, right. like whatever we were doing last year was not working. Uh, he also said again, I just think it was. Uh, I was dealt a set of cards that were a little bit unfortunate. We knew it wouldn't be great. I can't say that I would do anything different. We went after the top players, and we had sanctions on our head with people saying that we were going to get the death penalty. Okay, I mean, we get it at this point. I still think the other thing is, even with the talent that you had, and he says, you know, we went after some of the top players. I'm assuming he's referring to the transfer portal when Louisville was listed on, you know, as an option by a number of the guys, Malachi Smith and obviously the Imani Bates 
pursuit was high profile, and then they either passed or just lost out on some guys because, according to Kenny Payne, negative recruiting that was out there. That's fine. Even with the roster that we had last season, which included four players that we are going to rely on fairly heavily probably this season, I still think that's not an end-all, be-all excuse for going 4-28. and The talent level was not where it should be, sure. The talent level wasn't where it should be the year before. That team won 13 games, and they were a complete mess. They had like, they had like seven different head coaches, it felt like, during that season and had every reason to quit. They at least played hard down the stretch. I think my biggest issue with last season is the lack of effort at times. The fact I know Kenny Payne says the kids didn't quit. We kept running them through practice. They worked hard. We loved them up. It did not show a lot of times in games. There were there were spurts where yeah they would play hard, but then there would be spurts where they were just like they look zombies out there. You want to try a little? Exactly, and that's my biggest problem with, with trying to have a whole lot of optimism about the future. And when I say optimism, I don't mean again. That, that we're not going to get better. Of course we're going to get better. By the way, we were talking about it this morning. Louisville uh, Louisville Day is coming up on the ACC Network. It's today. Is it today? It's today. Are they going to play all four of the wins from last year? They are playing the Clemson game at 4 p.m. I can okay. tell you that right now. So if you want to flip that TV on in there and you want to watch <laughs> the, you know, Louisville's third out of four wins. I think I'm good. <laughs> that bad boy is going to be on there. I think they played the Wake Forest football game earlier today. Uh, UK volleyball win is going to be on. So yeah, the whole, the whole lineup is over there on gocards.com. But if we're talking about Louisville getting back to where everybody wants them to be, which is not just getting to the NCAA tournament, it's not just winning 20 games, it's, it's competing for national championships, then like, the, the effort level can't wane. And I don't care what pieces you've been dealt. I mean, I, I guess we can just all assume that it was just crap kids last year, but you sh- it's still your job to motivate those, those players, whoever you've been dealt, whatever the hand you've been dealt is. You need to get the most out of them. And I don't think that anybody could watch all 32 games last season and say that. Now, Kenny Payne does say this, and I do like this answer. He says, we won four games, and now we have a top 10 recruiting class walking in the door on paper. That says a lot about not just me, but this program and my staff. I think that's what you need to drum up, is look at what we're still bringing in. We're still going to get guys. All you all have to do is believe in me that I can... I can mold these players. We've got the talent now. We're going to continue to get the talent because, God, if we can get this type of class off of a four-win season, imagine what we can get if we go to the, the round of 32 or the Sweet 16 this year. And then imagine it's just going to get better moving forward. That's what you need to harp on. That That's what I think that the fan base wants to hear moving forward. But it also takes a lot of trust in Kenny Payne. If Kenny takes the knowledge he learned from this year and gets to keep it and goes back – Gets to do all of last season over again. How many wins does he get? I mean, I would hope at least seven. I don't. I, don't, I would that hope you would. S- seven was the number I had. I would hope you would win those first three yeah. games. Going back, the, the three one point losses, and then I mean they should. You know, they had the one point loss to Syracuse, which they should have won as well. There were a number of games in ACC play where they were there. They kept doing the thing. Remember where they would fall behind by like eighteen, mm-hmm. then make a crazy run and get yep. to two, and then just kind of stop playing again. You like, lose by eighteen. It was like every game, and <laughs> I just I, I didn't really understand that. I, I would hope that having experience would maybe nullify that, but uh, who knows? He uh, is asked again about Sky Clark, and he's been very high on Sky Clark this entire offseason. I'm pretty high on Sky Clark. I think I've said that. He says. I envision him being able to handle the position. He's got the keys to the program. He's very poised. He has a chip on his shoulder. He has a lot to prove. He's a winner. I expect Sky Clark to be one of the best guards in the country. 
He also goes on and he he talks about this for both Sky Clark and Trenton Flowers and says, you know, it's fine if they're, you know, if everything's going well. I want to see how they're going to handle adversity. I want to see how they're going to handle, you know, I'll create some adversity if we don't find our own. And I don't really understand this mentality. It kind of reminds me of after the Lenore Ryan exhibition lost last season where he's like, we needed this to happen. We needed them to wake up. And I was like, they've been projected lower in their pre-se- every preseason poll than any Louisville team in history. They had the lowest preseason prognostication in a conference media poll of any Louisville team ever. If that's not motivation enough for you to get up and play hard against Lenore Ryan, then I don't know what it is. And if we're talking about Sky Clark, he's got plenty of doubters. He was not great last season at Illinois after he was handed the keys to that program. You know, they got better when he left. He had oh, and a, didn't he? It wasn't he dealing with like some mental issues. He was. Or? He. I, you wonder how much that factored into his play, mm-hmm. but he did. You know, he played in 13 games last season. He had as many turnovers as assists. Well, and has that been corrected? You got to wonder. You know? But but I mean, as far as like I need to see how he's going to play with that through adversity. He's dealing with adversity right now. Like he should be dealing with adversity until he steps on the floor for his first official game at U of L. Like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Like he. He has doubters. This is a five-star kid that was going to Kentucky at one point in time to play the position where John Calipari is the kingmaker. I mean, he's a point guard. Calipari is the king of making point guards. And now he's he's being doubted. He's not on anybody's NBA draft board for this season. He's not a, lot, a lottery pick according to anybody. Like He's already had the adversity. He doesn't need to deal with adversity. And Trenton Flowers, who we talked about and says, I'm lucky and blessed to have him with us. I love his spirit, his competitive nature. I love his willingness to learn. But also, this is going to be hard for him. He really should be a high school senior. He, I mean, I like that he said what reminds me of the players, the great freshmen that we had at Kentucky is his willingness to be coached and all that stuff. That's great. But he also says, you know, he needs the adversity. And I'm not going to buy into the whole, like, he. Sh- we don't need to temper expectations because he should be a high school senior. Yes, he was a junior last year. He's also 19 years and three months old. Like, like he's... He's where he should be. Like when you are a college freshman, you are 19 years old. Like like he was, he's back in his no- normal class. So he's got the age. He's got the competition. He should be ready to go as a freshman. Um, I, I I don't I don't really want to hear that much about the whole like he's he's just too young because of that. Uh, real quickly, I know we got to get to break. Trey White came up. Kenny Payne said he Trey White is so talented. He's a multi-dimensional, very versatile wing player. He can play some four. He can play some two. He can play some three. I'm asking him to come in here, learn as much as he can, and lead us. He likes Trey White a lot. He spoke glowingly about Trey White and about Trenton Flowers and about Sky Clark. Now, he was asked, what other guys coming in do you think can help? The first thing that he went to, and this surprised me, was Curtis Williams. I don't think we've heard a lot about it. Just said he's been really good. He then went to Karan Davis, who he said, I think he can be a really good player. He talked about Mike James, Brandon Huntley Hatfield coming back and helping a lot. And then he talked about Dennis Evans and said, if he can become who we need him to be, he changes our team dramatically. He's you know, blocked a lot of shots in high school, but he would be the final piece of the puzzle, is I think what, exactly what Kenny Payne said. And I, I think he's kind of right. I mean, if Dennis Evans can be that dude who can not just be a great defensive stopper, but can give you something on offense, you can move Huntley Hatfield over to the four. You can, you, you, you can, I mean, he's just, or avoid having to play Huntley Hatfield at the five because he didn't seem like he really fit in there last season. You can maybe bring trainer off the bench to play that position or a core four off the bench to play that position. I think he's right there because we keep talking about the front court depth, and that's great. But we had a lot of front court depth last year, and just nobody stepped up to be that guy. If it can be Evans this year, fantastic. Who's the returner that's getting the most hype? Probably Mike James. I, I think that he's talked about 
it's very clear that Payne and, and James have a good relationship. I think I think James is the guy that that Payne wants to to have in this program. The guy that comes in here, plays a little bit as a freshman, has a really good work ethic, tries to grasp the system, tries to teach the system to other people, and then just gets progressively better as time goes on. So would he play off the ball like he did last year? With I think so. Clark having it, I, I think that you have like. There was a brief. There was a brief period at the end of last season where they tried to put James at the point, and it was horrible. Hmm. It, it, I don't think he can. He can play that position. I think it's going to have to be Sky Clark, and then if it's Flowers, if it's Davis, it should be noted. Tyler Johnson, the only other point guard that we brought in this season, is not mentioned in the podcast. He still is not on campus. I, I can tell you that for a fact. I cannot tell you exactly what's going on. I do know there was there was some hope that he would be here um, at the end of last week. He's not. I, there's still some great issues apparently that are, that are lingering out there. I don't know if he's going to make it here. Maybe, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe he should have spelled his name with an E, like a normal <laughs> Tyler. Maybe. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler. We, we just we need another point guard. Uh, anyways, we, we'll have more thoughts about this coming up after the break. We also want to hear from you on the Thornton Sex line at 502-414-1450. Kenny Payne has spoken. What are your thoughts? Would you like to hear more? Let us know. Uh, Mike Rutherford Show. Hour number two is on the way next. Keep it locked right here on 1450 Like I can see, I can see old TK, like kind of semi-grunge TK, just like smoking weed, and nodding his head to this. Skateboard TK. Skateboard. I would love to see Trevor skateboard. Oh my god. <laughs> that's another, I would not. That's another thing I would love to Jeez. see. Or Trevor on a scooter. Really, just Trevor doing anything athletic. Just could he smile. get the skateboard off the ground at all? No. No. no you you don't think he could ollie even a little bit? No. You kidding me? No, absolutely not. There's, there's, there's zero chance. What's, what's the percentage he could go off a ramp and land? Point five. <laughs> a little too high there. I mean, I put myself at like a three. There's no way Trevor could do it. There's absolutely no way. Uh, welcome back in Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. TK is out this week. We got Justin Kalen, aka Scooter Dingus, in the house behind the glass. Uh, we may have some uh, some guests in studio the rest of this week. We'll find out. Maybe some special names. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Just keep that on the back burner. It is famously, everyone loves tossing this fact around, one of the two days out of the sports calendar where you have no actual professional games, at least if you count the All-Star game in baseball as a professional game, which is going to happen tomorrow. So that's when you know you're at like, the heart of like no sports. Like There's, just, there's nothing to go home and watch. No yeah. summer league? Nothing? Well, I mean, I, I, summer league, I guess, but there's no, all kinds of sports. You got Wimbledon on today. No official games in the Big Four sports leagues, though. Oh, okay. The NHL, MLB, uh, NFL, and NBA have no official games going on. We do have the home run derby tonight, which you're you're gambling on. You're oh excited yeah, about that. Come on, Julio. <laughs> we can discuss that. It's, at the end it's of the in show. the Mar- it's in Seattle. How can I not pick him? You know, well, there is that. It was, it was shades of Todd Frazier at Great American Ballpark. That's right. Back in uh, 2015. That was fun. That was fun. I was in Italy, unfortunately. Like, the one cool thing that the Reds had happened in, like, three years. <laughs> I, was, like, I was, like, watching it at 3 a.m. on my laptop. I was like, this is – I'm missing it. Um, but 
worth worth the miss. But it is we are in the the official sports desert. Just not a whole lot going on. But we have Kenny Payne talking, which which makes it fun. We shared our thoughts on the Kenny Payne interview with John Rothstein, which really quickly I do want to want to say because these two things kind of go hand in hand. Rothstein also put out his ACC power rankings for the summer, which. I mean, you're like maybe Kenny Payne swayed him. Maybe you know how <laughs> how bought in is John Rothstein to what Kenny Payne is saying? Uh, and again, these are summer power rankings in college basketball, which I used to have to do these back in the day. They were pointless enough, you know, five ten years ago. Now, with all the new rosters, with everybody besides Duke, you know, seeming to have like an entirely different roster from last season, whether it's incoming freshmen or, or transfers or or whatever. It's an impossible task to rank teams in, in the preseason. You just I went back and I looked at my my preseason top twenty five for last season. I did one last month for SB Nation. Like I had UConn at twenty sixth, and they had two players who ended up helping them win the national title that weren't even on their roster when I made the, those rankings. So it's just you, you just don't know exactly what to do. But Rothstein did try to rank the ACC one through fifteen. He's got Duke at one, Miami at two, Carolina at three, which I think is, is everybody sort of has the same thing in some order. And then Virginia is the default four, where you just trust Tony Bennett, you trust mm-hmm. the guys coming back. Louisville, if you're wondering, 11th. Ooh. Which is the same as, it's, that's the spot that they were picked in the preseason poll by the media last season. I don't think anybody's going to know where to put Louisville. And I think that they're all going to just resort to having them somewhere in that 10, 11, 12 range. Maybe a couple people will put them 13, which I get. You know, they were... One of the worst Power 5 teams of all time last season. And that's not hyperbole. They, they, they were awful. And I think the common thought is going to be, cool, you got a, a nice recruiting class. How much better can you really be? If it gets that bad at a place like Louisville, the talent level influx has to be like taking NBA All-Stars if you're going to be a top four team in the ACC. I think that most of the national media we'll take a we'll see it, we'll, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it mentality, and we'll have Louisville somewhere in the double digits, which I completely understand. If you're asking me where I think Louisville's going to fi- finish, in, if I were doing a preseason top uh, 15 in the ACC, I've probably got them somewhere around the same place. I think that that's understandable. That's where Rothstein has that. Where, where do you think the average would be if you asked – the coaching staff and all the players on the team where they oh, should I mean, be. They, you know, what do you, what's the average? Like two. <laughs> no, <laughs> surely they'd be more realistic I, I about mean, it. Players, players are going to say, like, we're going to win the conference. And they should. That's the mentality you should have. Now, coaches, if they're being honest, would maybe say, I think Kenny Payne, just based on his comments today, I'd say he'd probably be maybe like fifth or sixth. I, I feel like that's – I think he wants to – he wants to obviously be insanely good this year. He's slow playing it for sure, mm-hmm. and it, it makes me a little bit nervous because he was slow playing things last year, and he, he was kind of telling people, "I don't, you know, I'm not sure we're going to be good this year." He was saying all those types of things, and then you know, people were like, "Well, it's just he's he's being modest. We're going to be fine. We're going to be an NCAA tournament team." And then it was worse than any of us ever could have imagined. So with him slow playing it again this year, I think that's probably where he. Gen- I think he thinks that this can be an NCAA tournament team, but he's not going to say, at, I think in his heart of hearts, this can be a team that wins the ACC. Some of the other coaches, who knows? I, I can see Nolan Smith being like, we're going to win it. <laughs> he's, he's pretty brash. Yeah, I can see him saying that. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that Kenny Payne probably is a little bit more reserved. It's, although he's a tough guy to get a handle on, so I'm, I'm not, not entirely. Now, I want to ask you the same thing with 
in regards to the other coaches in the league, but do they do a coaches preseason like poll? I don't think they do. Okay. For basketball. So what would the answer be that you think on that? If you just pulled all the other head coaches in the conference, where they on, think Louisville's going to be, where Louisville would finish. Probably about the same spot, right? I think lower. Eleven. I think lower. Oh, low, like towards thirteen. I've said this before, so I'm not like breaking. I'm not saying anything that I haven't discussed. But after I talked to somebody who does work for ESPN and the ACC network at the end of last season, and he's he said I, I've called games for thirteen of the fifteen teams in the league. So I've talked to most of the coaches. And he said the coaches in the league, outside of one guy, they talk about Louisville in terms of they've got recruiters, not coaches. And his exact quote was, nobody's scared of Louisville. <laughs> and I think that that's a, you know, I mean, if, if you want to make them scared, you got to start beating these guys. I, I think that that's, there's a common perception around the conference that Louisville does not have the staff necessary to be Louisville, to be a top four team in this conference like they have been in every conference for basically all of our lifetimes. And if you're going to change that perception, you just, there's only one way to do it, and they got to start this year. But I think if you're asking me where I think that the rest of the coaches would have Louisville, I think they'd probably have them down there like 13, 14. Now, Notre Dame's going to be – Notre Dame's roster is bad. Mm-hmm. I, I like Michael Shrewsbury a lot, the new coach that they brought over from Penn State. I think they're going to be good, but he didn't do a great job at upgrading the roster. They lost Cormac Ryan, uh, their, their best player from, or best shooter from last year, is going to North Carolina. Uh, they lost a lot of guys. Uh, Dan Goodwin, gone, who scored a billion points against us. they That's a team that you look at and you say, if we're not better than they are, it's entirely the coaching staff because our roster is light years better than their roster. Georgia Tech, I don't think it's going to be like they've got uh, Damon Stoudemire coming over as the new head coach. He did get some good players in the transfer portal. They still don't have a roster that I, I think competes with ours. And then Wake, as much as I like Steve Forbes, and you can say egg on my face or whatever – he has not done a great job assembling the type of roster that I think they need to have to compete either. I think those are the three teams that you look at and say, we should be better than them. Everybody else is is getting better. I mean, Syracuse, they at least brought back Judah Mintz. I've got no idea if, if Red Autry can coach. We'll find that out this year. Um, that's a roster that you're like, well, we probably... Wait, Bayheim's done? Yeah, Bayheim's gone. Did you hear that? When did that happen? Are you being serious? Yeah, did he did he announce that during the season? <laughs> at the, yeah, at the end oh, of their, okay. at the end of their year, they maybe I feel like I kind of remember it. Yeah, yeah okay. he kinda, he he's gone. He, and there, so there's no more Bayhams, right? No more Bayhams. Buddy's gone. All the Bayhams are gone. You will wow. see them on their TBT team this month. Big uh, time. The, the Bayhams Army team, but it is it is now Darnell Red Autry's program, and they've got to, you know, the, their roster is a little bit thin as well. What's but, his name? Uh, Red Autry. Where'd he come from? He assistant in house. Oh, okay, yeah, promoted. What a sweet name, Red. He's, well, it's a nickname. That's but, like, oh, okay. But he's cool. He seems cool. 502-414-423 is the Thornton's text line. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take some text from you guys. TJ texted in right at the beginning of the show and just said, Scoots, do the eagle screech now, which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you I want me. You want to hear it? Yeah, do it. All right. <laughs> wasn't as wasn't as good as this morning. But now he was asking me what, what my celebration was when we birdied. I told him. I like I'm, that. I told him I'm just like a little. I'm like a little fist pump, like a yeah type sure, of guy. Yeah. But I was like, but if we would have eagled, the whole course would have heard it. <laughs> and so he was like, well, what was your eagle call? And that's what it would have been. That's very good. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. It's very good. I enjoyed it. Uh, Texture says Carmichael's Bookstores is going to have signed copies of my book, The Misery House. I'm incredibly excited. Never had them in such a prestigious book uh, store before. There you go. I think it's my guy David, I believe. Um, Check it out. Check hey, you have a friend that's a book writer too? Yeah. Good grief. Carmichael's uh, Mystery House. 
Uh, I did a signing at Carmichael's one time. It was very cool. Man. They were very nice. They've always been very nice to me. And I didn't want it at Barnes and Noble. They didn't have enough copies of my book. They like bought five. <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. My wife was like raging. She's like, how do you not have enough copies of the book? But they were, they were very apologetic. They were very nice. Sounds like the writer might have cheaped out. Maybe. <laughs> Texture says, KP takes no responsibility and seems incompetent. Why not just have success for a year using the portal? The transfer portal is a gift to, to big programs. Not relying on it is asinine because the young kids are going to transfer out. You can't build like in the past. This is kind of where I am. And I think this is – and let's be clear. None of this matters if the program has a great season this year, and none of it matters if the program has a terrible season this year. All of this is just we are – Desperate for content. We are desperate for some sort of reassurance that this is going to get better moving forward because last year in the last couple of years have been so embarrassing. But part of the reason why I think the fan base is so upset with the, the way the roster was built both last season and this season is you look around at the programs that are on a lower level than us and that were in a worse spot than us just a couple of seasons ago and just killed in the portal and were great last year i.e. Kansas State, Jerome Tang comes in, takes over a program that had been the worst in the Big 12 for three straight years. You want to talk about preseason pro, uh, projections, Kansas State picked to finish last in the Big 12 last year. He sure, yeah. kills in the portal, damn near goes to a Final Four in his first year. With totally a five-foot-four guy. With a fight, with, yeah, with a five-foot-four guy, a, a tiny guy, like the, the type of point guard that Kenny Payne hates. He goes in there and they, you know, they, they damn near go to the Final Four, have a magical run in the NCAA tournament. And it wasn't like they made a magical run as a 10. They were a three-seed. They, they were a good team last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've seen other pro- – Missouri. Uh, Evans comes in there, turns it around. Or Dennis Gates. I'm so concerned about saying Dennis Evans. I always <laughs> mess up the last name. Dennis Gates comes in there, kills in the portal. They have a very good season. Like you see programs that are like that should not be competing with transfer portal players the way that we should, going out there and having these types of season. You say, well, why not just get those guys? If they're only here for a year, so be it. You can bring your own players along slowly. You can still do it that way while also bringing in three or four key transfer portal players. And then, you know, if you have the type of relationship with these players that you claim you do, Caleb Glenn's going to be fine with playing 10 minutes as a freshman. Curtis Williams is going to be fine with playing 10 minutes as a freshman. Flowers should be good enough to play with the transfer portal players that you bring in. I just, I, I think it's, I don't understand it. And I, I think a lot of people don't either. Texture says, are you also concerned Payne made the comment on Rothstein's podcast that you can't count, count, you can't count wins as part of next year, as success, yes, we we didn't discuss, we didn't get to that quote, but he did talk about the last question was, you know, where's the bar for for this coming season? What what are your expectations for year two? And Kenny Payne, he didn't. I mean, we all would have loved for him to be like, we're gonna win it all, or or at least like we're gonna be in the NCAA tournament. And, and he was just kind of like, you know, I expect to be better. You can't. I, I said I can't give you a number. We don't count wins as part of the, the the recipe for success. And it just it was a lot of it was a lot of rhetoric that sounded a lot like last year when the team was losing and he was trying to spin things positively. And that that makes me uneasy. I saw. I mean, today the CBS College Basketball Twitter account. You know, they, they do kind of like flashback stuff on, on their their post. Did they post on Threads too, or just Twitter? Just Twitter. Just Twitter. I have not I have not logged into threads in like four no. days. Not sure. <laughs> I've made I've made two threads. I'm not sure I'm gonna go back. Uh but they they posted a they, they tweeted 
the Scott Drew introductory press conference from when he got hired at Baylor. And keep in mind, you want to talk about like you know Kenny Payne's bringing up the NCA stuff and the dark cloud and you know, people thinking we're going to get the death penalty. Scott Drew walked into a situation where they weren't allowed to play non-conference games, and they had just had a coach actively trying to cover up aspects of a player murdering another player. That's as bad as it gets. That that is, and it's Baylor who has no history of success. No basketball fan base. They're in Waco, Texas. You don't have the types of, of inherent advantages that we have here at Louisville. And he comes out and his introductory press conference says, I don't understand why, he's like, forget NCAA tournament. Forget going to the NCAA tournament. I don't understand why we here at Baylor University can't win a national championship. Just comes out and says that. Like speaking very clear, very confidently as this whole thing. You know, we've got the resource, we've got the people, we've got everything we need to get it done here. And then does it. Turns Baylor, a laughing stock for decades, into one of the most consistent programs of the last 10 years. One that's been a number one seed three times, would have been four times if they'd had the tournament in 2020, wins a national title. They're now, I mean, you just, you assume they're gonna be a top four seed just about every year now. I wish we had a little bit of that type of confidence. Where did he coach before there, though? <sighs> Where was Scott Drew before there? Because he he had had some success, right? He had before he went to Baylor, and that's that's kind of where my mindset's at. Is it? it I don't I don't want to blame it on Kenny, but maybe I, I just don't feel like kids these days look at Louisville like twenty years ago. You know what I mean? Because they're they've only they've seen that championship in twenty thirteen, but they were. What seven eight years yeah, old young now. when it's, they like it's, you're missing out on that mark they, now. Yeah, so they haven't seen Louisville at like the height of Louisville basketball, which I think could be hurting. Yeah, Scott Drew he only coached one year. He was the head coach of Valpo for one oh, year. Really? after That's his dad it? retired wow, and then went okay. to Baylor. He'd been a, he was an assistant at Valpo for a long time. I remember he got a lot of run as a potential replacement for Archie Miller when he, we hired Mike Woodson because of his Indiana connections. He did for sure. Yeah, I remember that, and it would have made a lot of sense. Um, he was he played a Butler back in the day too, yeah. so mm-hmm. he's all Indiana. But he, you know, I think that, and I don't know how much of that is Kenny Payne being a first time coach, but I would like to see that more of that level of confidence, more of that level of reassurance. I think I think if you give the team more success, maybe if they would have won eight nine games, he would have more of a confidence and could, it could sell it better perhaps. But that's going to come in time. I mean, he comes out this year, they win 10, 12, 14 games or whatever. He's going to be a lot confident going in the next season. I would hope so, but just hearing that press conference, and then th- even thinking back to watching a little bit of Rick Pitino's press conference at St. John's, it reminded me of his both of his introductory press conferences at UK and U of L, where he is so brash and so like he goes to. I remember vividly the, the UK one where he's talking about people keep saying it's going to take all these years to build this program back to where it was going to be under my uh, guidance. No. He's like, we'll be back very quickly. He's like, I expect to be back very quickly. And U of L, it was the same thing. He, he was like, the work ethic's going to change. Everything's going to change. We're going to get better facilities. We're going to, and God knows he he made good on those promises. But like, again, that's a coach with experience, which I mean lends itself to you know if you want to have the, the debate, like you know why is Louisville hiring somebody who's not going to have that mentality if yeah. they don't have the experience? I think that that's. And yeah, that, that's a, a different issue entirely. But I, I would like to hear Kenny. And I'm not saying like for this year, like calling his shot for this season, but just more reassurance that like it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Like we, what you want me to do as the head coach, I'm going to do. As opposed to like I need a lot of help. I need this is going to be a slow thing. All it's just 
you never have that 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 sense of confidence, that that reassurance that I think you got you get from some other guys. Texas says, who had a more embarrassing weekend, Bob Huggins or Pat Fitzgerald? I, I do want to talk about both those things. The the Huggins thing is insane to me. Have you seen any of this? Yeah, I saw the Huggins thing. I'm not too caught up on the Pat Fitzgerald thing. I did read an article about it, but I didn't really understand what was happening. Yeah, he's getting first basically was, just not having a good culture. Yeah, is that what I gathered? First, it was allegations of hazing with players, some sexual stuff that, that freshmen were forced to go through under his watch, which would be bad for any program. It's especially bad when Fitzgerald has come out many times on like unofficially been like we're an anti-hazing program like we're leading the fight against hazing and but all isn't that, that kind of like the whole rick patino stripper gate thing just like maybe he really didn't know about it you know maybe but the the, the uh, unfortunately the players say that he kind of was mm. there was basically like a sign that they would do when they wanted to like haze a player and fitzgerald would do it sometimes to like the freshman when they were playing oh. bad and then today it comes out that there are three players that, that said that there was a, I guess, culture of racism within the program. So mm-hmm. he's he's catching fire from a number of different places. So far, they have not fired him. They've upped his suspension, which had been made for two weeks in the middle of summer during the dead period, which is not really suspension. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I, I can't look at film or something. Um, but he is. It's, it's a weird thing. You're seeing two coaches now, and, and the Huggins stuff, if you didn't catch it this weekend, is he basically is like, I never resigned. I, I'm, I, I had a handshake agreement that if I went to treatment, they were going to bring me back, and now I'm suing because I never actually resigned. They're saying I resigned, which is an, a crazy thing. But it just goes to show when you have – you bring back really popular alums, which is the situation Louisville's in right now with both of its major program head coaches, Kenny Payne and Jeff Brom. If things go poorly, it can get very awkward very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because no, like, no Northwestern fan. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald is probably the best football player to ever play there, and he's the best coach to ever coach there. Nobody wants to see him go, and so they're probably stretching farther than they would with somebody else to keep him around. And certainly, the, the fact that Bob Huggins feels like he has any leg to stand on at any other program—if you drop that homophobic slur twice in like twenty seconds on a radio show that you know is being listened to. You're gone. There's no like nobody else keeps you, and the fact that he thought he could survive not just that, but his second major DUI and a incredibly embarrassing DUI where you don't know where you are, you don't know how you got there, you got empty cans all over the car, like it's remarkable how much of a just carte blanche he thought he had in Morgantown, and it, both those situations are now incredibly weird. So Huggins was the more weird though, right? Yes, that's the the answer to the question. I think is yeah. is probably Huggins. Not, I mean the 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 stuff at Northwestern is is bad for sure, but you you hear stuff like that happening at other programs. It's not the shock value. I think is less than Bob Huggins going through this whole process, seemingly sending all these messages of being remorseful and I can't believe I've I've tarnished my legacy and I'm going to work to rebuild it, and then just being like a week later being like, no, I never resigned. I, yeah. It's my job. I want to really, come back. That's really strange. Super weird. By the way, Pat Fitzgerald stayed at one of the hotels I worked at over in Louisville one time. Did he? How so that? that's why I say Huggins' situation is more weird. I'm a big Pat Fitzgerald. You're big guy. Pat Fitzgerald. He, he was. Pat he was extremely guy. nice. Everybody says nice things about him, but not running a great program apparently. Texas, says your friend is being replaced by Sean Casey. We talked about that. I, I love Sean Casey. I can't. I can't cheer for him. <laughs> Texas, says Yankees definitely didn't win yesterday. Go Cubs, go. Did they win Saturday? I guess, and then they lost yesterday. Maybe that's what I was. I had a friend who was at the game. I guess it was Saturday where they actually won. And then yesterday went poorly. 
Texture says, College Hoops Today. If you made me guess what a podcast by Rostin was called, I could have gotten that within five guesses if I'm being <laughs> honest. Uh, yeah, that's that, that was why I kind of laughed a little bit. Texture says, hey, OKP, we are going to suck again this year, and all your good young players are just going to leave before they can be developed and make it a good team. Well, that's... Thank you for being... You know, I need to talk to Trevor. So we have a drop or a, a rejoin on KRC. Uh-huh. Anytime Kentucky loses, I play like the scene from... Um, what's the football movie with Adam Sandler? Why am I slipping? Um, not the replacements. The, uh, oh, my the, God. The, 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 the not, longest yard. No. Waterboy. The Waterboy, yeah. So I've got that in a drop. Oh, no, we suck again. Yeah, yeah. Should have Trevor make that for well, you. No, we played a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I played it a lot last year. There was no again either for, for UFL last year. It was like, <laughs> oh, no, we are the team we thought we've been the entire year. Just another. Texas, I just want TK confident enough that he can park in the back of the parking lot and make it to the front door. <laughs> Somebody sent me a. Are you familiar with the, the the picture that went viral? It was like probably a month ago of Jack Nicholas. I guess he just woke up. He's like all looking all haggard and he's like staring. It, somebody took it from I think he's like on a hotel balcony or maybe his house balcony. He 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 just looks. He's very old. He's very wrinkly and he just looks like he woke up from a I don't know thirty two day bender. But it's it, it's all over the internet. And somebody, my guy Brian. He tagged me in a Instagram post today. I'm, I'm trying to get the wording right. It's that picture, along with the the the, the tagline of I'm "Watching my Uber Eats driver drop off my thirty dollar meal from a fast food restaurant that is literally two blocks away." <laughs> and he just said, "That's TK." I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's, that's add, a, add about twenty bucks to that order." That's God, that, that's exactly right. <laughs> Texas, speaking of things, oh, this is a long text. Texas says. Speaking of things similar to fake and hollow apologies during relationships, great text from Friday, by the way, something along the same lines is what's the biggest lie you've told someone that you've been in a relationship with to make them feel better or make you look better? Uh, I now I told my now wife of 10 years when we were in college that I was happy that Brandon Knight made the shot against Princeton so a team from Kentucky could advance. She's not a sports fan at all, but she was raised a UK fan and was at UK at the time and was pretty into it then. <laughs> the sex was great that night, but I still hate my 22-year-old self for that. <laughs> I've done that with like sometimes with like people that I don't really know that well. If like if I'm just meeting them if you're at like a you know, it's this is my wife's friend's husband or my wife's friend they're at a party and I'm like I'm like, "Oh yeah, like, you know, good for UK. Like I'm you know, I'm glad they finally beat Florida in football or whatever." And like I just I don't mean it at all. I'm just trying to be like a little bit nice. In the back of my mind, I'm like, "I hate everything." Um I don't know if I want to answer that. I don't know if first of all, I don't know if I can think of anything. Second of all, I don't know if I if I even if I do if I want to answer this. I can tell you right now, I have not been in a relationship in 12 years, so I definitely can't remember. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. A hollow line that you told somebody that you're in a relationship with to make them feel better that you just did not mean at all. Uh, Maybe I wasn't attracted to her sister. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, there's a lot of that where it's like, do you find her pretty? Like, no. <laughs> no, not as cute as you. But in, course, in your mind, you're like, oh, she's way better. Of course, now, like, I'm, I mean, I've been married for almost 10 years. I'm at the point, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, she's hot. Like, <laughs> and I don't, if Mary says it, but I, got, like, I, don't, I could not care less. I'm like, yeah, he's very attractive. My dad. My dad always says, just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you can't look at the menu. <laughs> I think the only time that she gets really mad is if I s- say somebody's attractive that looks entirely different than her. Mm. 
Like if they look enough if alike, she, if it's similar looking, she's like, oh, she's I like, can see yeah. that. She's like, yeah, she's like, yeah. But if it's like, you know, she's, <laughs> you can't have a difference of opinion, Mike. She's, you know, she's brunette and she's really dark skinned. So if, if I see like, I don't know, if I saw like a pasty blonde, yeah, you know, like, don't you ever look at a cast? She's blonde. very attractive. She's like, she looks nothing like me. I don't even know why you're attracted to me. Like, oh. what if you bring up like an ethnic girl of some sort? Well, I don't. Know. <laughs> Mary's very, she's again. Mary's very dark. Probably shit. divorce you. I don't know. There was a time where everybody thought Mary was like, it's like, what nationality are you? And she's like Central Kentuckian. I don't know what you want me to say. My my roommate's like that. He's uh he's got really dark skin. He's got Lebanese in him. Um, and we were his whole life. He's been called Mexican. Mm-hmm. And we were actually out golfing with these two old guys. They were in their seventies. We got paired up with them last week. And one of them looks at the guy and he goes, and my roommate, and he goes, no offense, but these Mexicans, and I was, I just started laughing. I was like, he is not Mexican. Like, not even a little bit. Still, why would you have the confidence to say that? <laughs> I mean, you're 75 and don't care what I, people I, think anymore. I, I guess there is that. <laughs> Texture says, uh, oh, cool, Scoots is here. Even TK constantly interrupting with completely ir- irrelevant anecdotes is better than the low-hanging fruit anti-U of L attempts at banter. <laughs> he hasn't said one anti-U of L thing yet. I'm not an anti-U of L. I've never, I've never gotten that vibe. I'm not anti-U of L at all. Actually, there was a point in my life where it was easily Indiana and then U of L is my number two. Easily. Yeah. That's, 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 that's not, not the that. case anymore, but that's fine. Texas, the only time I agree with a coach about not caring about winning and losing was Ted Lasso, and even he got chewed out by Coach Beard. That's a great scene from the, the first season where he's like, it, he's like, it doesn't matter. And like, finally, finally, Beard is like, it bleeping does matter. Every now and then he talks about, you know, we were coaching college kids back then. Now we're coaching professionals, and like, they May, the bartender. Are like, they still making damn, those? They, I'm, so, I'm just now watching the third season, which I think is going to be the last season. It will be the last one. I'm okay. pretty confident that that's been established now. And that's something you would recommend? Yes, for sure. Okay. For sure. I, I went in. It's weird. I saw the original short. Like, when it aired. It aired live during an NFL Sunday. I think mm. that's what it, what it was. And then it made its rounds all over the internet, and then, like, the week later. And I was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Jason Sudeikis playing a I like American yeah. football coach trying to coach soccer and learn the rules. And then when I, when I heard that it was going to be a series, I was like, there's no way that's going to work. It reminded me of, do you remember when – those Geico caveman commercials were happening, mm-hmm. and they were so popular. And then they made it into a TV series, and you're like, "Well, how's this going to really? work?" Yeah, it was. It was the worst <laughs> thing ever. Everybody's like, "There's no way this is going to work," and it didn't. And so when I heard they were doing Ted Lasso as a series, I was like, "There's no way that's going to work." And then I actually started seeing some positive reviews from people that I I kind of trust their opinions on with TV stuff. I was like, "Well, I'll give it a shot," and was blown away at how much I liked. It's like it. progressive starting. Uh, you're going to become your parents' TV show. It, that yeah, would it, actually probably be pretty the fact funny. that somebody thought those cave like just because something's popular in one <laughs> forum that they thought they could make it into a 25 minute sitcom, and it was just the worst thing of By all. By the way, am I the only one who gets Jason Sudeikis and Ed Helms confused? Do they not look like brothers? A little bit. The, I can the see guy from bit. The Hangover. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. Um, I can I, see. I get them confused a lot. I, I feel like I back in the day I used to always get Jason Sudeikis and, and Bill Hader mixed up because they were always doing stuff together yeah. there on SNL mm-hmm. and they don't look a lot alike. Not not even a little bit. But I would always be like, which one's which? I can never <laughs> figure it out. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, more of your text on the Thornton Sex line as we react to the Kenny Payne interview with John Rothstein. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sex line. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on a Monday on 1450 and 
Right, welcome back in. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. I just saw this list. This is from um, Sports Business Journal. Out of the 50 most watched English language United States TV shows that Brits watched, that people from England watched this past year, through, I guess, this season, this, this year, specified, this calendar year through June 2023, 44 of the 50 most watched English language US TV broadcasts in England are sporting events. 25 of them NFL games, not a surprise. NFL is growing globally mm-hmm. and it's big in England. College basketball, eight of them. Wow. NBA, seven. College football, just two. And then the Masters and the Kentucky Derby. Hmm. Surprises me a little bit. But, I mean, I, I would think maybe more golf would be up there. I know that golf is big in England. They've got the British yeah. Open coming up. I'm um, not surprised the Derby. You know, there's a big horse racing culture there. But college basketball kind of surprises me. Because the NBA, while it's big in England, it's bigger in some other European countries. Basketball in general is bigger in some other European countries. And you would think that the NBA has more appeal. Does it tell you which games? I'd be um, really curious to know I, that. I, so I was trying to find that. I, I just saw the graphic. I'm going to have to go to the actual Sports Business Journal. Is that your quack on your phone? Yeah, my bad. Okay. This is my first day in radio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to find out too, but I can't. I, yeah, I'd be really curious to see which college basketball and NBA games those were. What if you're just yeah, it's it's like it's the Big Twelve tournament semifinal between <laughs> yeah. like what? Why why was it that big of a deal over there? I just find it hard because one of the things that I always heard from my friends, I had friends that did the, the study abroad thing where they'd go to Europe and you know, some of them went to Ireland, some of them went to England. Is the the people that they talked to were shocked at the that college sports were such a big deal over here because college sports are like nothing over there. The best athletes are. Obviously, soccer is the big sport, and if mm-hmm. you're that good at 18, you're going to go start playing professionally. So they were all kind of like – Probably before then, a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, 16, 15, you signed 16. signed to a club at like yeah. 12, but they were, they were like, you know, why are college sports such a big deal? I had a friend who's who's not good at basketball and played in the the island equivalent of the NCAA tournament where it's like he like on the team. He's like, yeah, I was like – we played in front of like 50 people. It was crazy. I was like the best player. Uh, but yeah, college basketball just – I'm surprised it's on that list. Anyway. Do you think, speaking of soccer, do you think we'll ever get to a point here in America where, so over in Europe, say, take like Bayern Munich, for example, they've got like Bayern Munich, U10, U9, like all the way up through the ranks. Do you think we ever get to a point like that here in America? Because that's really why they've gotten to be such powerhouses in soccer over in Europe, because they have those feeder programs, if you will. Everybody says the the club system, whatever. Like, do you see an Inter Miami having like a nine U team, and then kids just working their way up through that, and They're eventually trying. make their way to the MLS? They're trying. I mean, even here locally, we, we have like the racing Louisville and the Loose City. I mean, that Joshua Winder, who's now playing for the national mm-hmm. team, came up through the academy. Uh, the academy. Oh, there is an academy. Yeah, really. Yeah, I've got a friend whose his daughter plays on the the racing Louisville academy. So how early can you start that? I mean, she's like eight. Really? Okay. So it's, it's yeah. I think they're trying to. I think it's just it's it's much much tougher here. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it will eventually though take off. I'd like. I, I, I I'd think, like think so. I'd like to think water will find its level and eventually USA will be a powerhouse. So I watched. Speaking of this, I, I watched the soccer last night. It was the only sporting event on. I like watching the the, the national team play. It's kind of like the only rooting interest I have. I don't mm-hmm. have a Premier League team or uh, an MLS team. I mean, obviously, I root for Blue City and Racing Louisville here locally, but. As far as like the big time professional soccer overseas, I used to always say West Bromwich Albion was my favorite team just because I 
got assigned to them in FIFA one time. So I was like, that's my, that's my squad. Or AS Roma because it sounded like ass Roma when I would see them play. But I don't really have a team. But I like watching the national team play. And I've got questions for the soccer diehards out there. And I, I tried to pick my, my soccer friends' brains, and, and they, they gave me these half-hearted answers. You know, you, you soccer people, they hate to exclude you, but they love to exclude you. Mm-hmm. They love to you know, you love my sport, but then don't ask questions about my sport. So last night I'm watching, it's the Gold Cup quarterfinals. And I know that USA typically does well in the Gold Cup. It's the CONCACAF. You know, we're, we're the kings of CONCACAF right now. And so they're playing Canada, who's gotten better, but still is levels below us. And we score a goal. The kid from FC Cincinnati, Gomez, I think is his name, scores a goal very late in the second half. We think it's done. We've dominated this game. Then they get a, a penalty kick. Canada's in extra time. It's their first shot on goal for the entire match. They tie things up. 1-1, one, one, we go to extras. Canada scores in the, the second um, extra period. What, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, extra time? Extra time, yeah. This mm-hmm. is the second run of extra time. All is lost. Woe is me. We're looking terrible. We score a thrilling goal. Minutes later, to even the, the score, we go to, to, to PKs. My boy Matt Turner saves the day. Wait, I thought we scored first. We scored first in the game. They scored. Okay, yeah. they, they went up 2-1. Oh really? Time. Yeah, they went up uh, up two one. Then we scored the equalizer. Oh, I thought we went to oh, to PKs at one one. No, no, that changes two everything. goals in extra time in the second round of extra time, which was wild. We go to PKs. Matt Turner makes uh, I think three saves. We win. But I'm texting with my my friends, and I feel like this always happens. I'm, I'm texting my buddy Craig, who was a great soccer player growing up, big into soccer, and I'm like, I'm watching soccer. This is I'm into this. This is great. And he's like, nobody cares about the Gold Cup this year. This is our C team. This is Canada's B team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this always happens when I'm watching one of these games, is that one of the sides, according to soccer people, just doesn't care. And I, dude, does anybody ever actually care? Like, I feel like w- whether I'm watching like the Premier League or the, anytime I'm watching soccer, one of the sides just isn't playing its best players for some reason. Everybody's just always tired. And I get that like the, the national, teams are made up of players that uh, have contracts in other leagues elsewhere and it's tough to get everybody on the same page but they don't play that much these teams play like they play like 18 to 22 matches a year i feel like why can't all of these matches like we're trying to play for a trophy why can't we just try why can't we get Pulisic to play in the like, I, I just feel like even when we win sometimes we'll play our best players like we'll like when we, we beat argentina or we beat germany and, these, and they're like well germany's not even trying this is their d squad like does soccer ever matter is there ever a time where everybody's actually i feel like we're getting to a point where i'm going to watch a world cup match and they're going to be like no. yeah this doesn't this doesn't matter that much he's he's bigger into the his contract in la liga no that's that's what i was going to bring up that's when it that's when you won't see that is the world the cup time. that world cup i've got two examples world cup and then champions league there will not be players miss either of those tournaments. I always, I do like ask the question too, like where I'm like, does Champions League matter or Premier League matter more? No, Champions and, and League that, is like the well, that's the the, the big, big hoorah, the soccer question. But like, they're like to some people, the Premier League. Like if you have one, if you're an English, like an old club that hasn't won the Premier League in like 50 years, mm-hmm. you'd rather win the Premier League sure. than the Champions League. But you know, for for other leagues, you know, if you've done like, it's bigger deal. It, and I I kind of get that. that. That makes sense to me. But the whole like when we play the national like when the national team is playing like a, a whatever like in one of these tournaments and they just they're, they're not trying, I don't 
I don't get or they're playing a team that's really good that just isn't trying. It feels like soccer never matters when I'm watching. Well, and then they'll go out and play a friendly and put out their A squad. It's like what I don't the get hell? that either. <laughs> and then like people will act like the friendly means more than like yeah. tournaments with actual trophies. I, I think I saw um I think I want to say it was 2014 in Jacksonville. They were playing Jamaica maybe and they it was their best squad. It was a lot of fun. It, when it happened, but it was just great. a friendly. And they're like, "Well, Jamaica's playing like seven dudes from their little league team." I'm like, "Well, why? Why, why? why is this happening?" By the way, I'm curious. Do you know what Concacaf stands for? Testing you here. Oh God, I don't think I do. Now that you say that, um, it's one of those things I always know, but I always have to look up because I forget. I mean, I know it's like the North American. Soccer Federation. The Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association Football. I figured there was a Caribbean in there yeah. somewhere, but I could not work it out in my head. I was just thinking about it because, like, you know what it is. But, like, if you – because so UEFA is the the European League. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't think I know what that stands for. Like, I assume the E in there is for Europe and the F is for football. I'm assuming it's, like, European Football – United European Football Association? Union of European Ugh! Football Association. But you can get, but with CONCACAF, you're like, that's too many letters. That is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, feel, you you almost like got to break sure. it down. You got to remember the C's, like Confederation, Central, Caribbean. See, and I never, remember the A's. And I never would have gotten to Confederations. <laughs> that's, that's where it would have, uh, I, w- I would have struggled. But uh, it, yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed watching the soccer last night. I also, I got, I did like a deep dive on Matt Turner, the, the goalkeeper, because he was the one guy. Soccer fans on Twitter, I do love this. Are just always pissed. Like nothing's ever good. Mm-hmm. They're like, like they're this guy sucks. This whole team sucks. Only Turner should be. Like, and like the one thing that they agreed on last night was like Matt Turner's the only guy that should be playing in an actual national you know team game that matters something. So I, I was like, I'm gonna do a deep dive on this guy. He's got one of the funniest quotes that that I've ever seen. It's not actually made by him, but it's attributed to him. He. Like one of his teammates at Arsenal, which he plays for Arsenal, I was like, oh, "That's a big deal." That is a big deal. He he's talking. He gets asked about. It's, it's a British guy. He gets asked like, "Who's your funniest teammate?" And he's like, "Matt Turner, the American." And he's like, "Well, he's like, well, what's so funny about him?" And he's like, "Just the, he speaks in these like Americanisms. Like he's just <laughs> like, like, well, give us an example." And he was like, "We're playing this game. It's like a derby, like whatever." And he's like, "He's like uh, somebody was getting carded, and they were going, and it was all all just chaotic and very tense." And he just goes. Relax, dog. It's a dog fight out there. And like, that's this American <laughs> impression of which I was like, all right, I love this guy. This is incredible. So I looked at his Wikipedia, and this is another thing that just blows me away about soccer is, you're, like you said, you're thinking the best soccer players in the world are typical, typically prodigies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're guys that, who had a, they're better than everybody when they were 12, 13, 14, and just played club and, and got better and then ended up playing on. It's a lot teams. like golf, though. They start when they're like two, three years right. old. This, that's why they're so good. This guy didn't start playing soccer until he was 14 years old. Wow. He started playing just to keep himself in shape before baseball and basketball season. And he, he played because he was the only goalkeeper that tried out for his high school team. And then he plays, and you're like, well, he must have been awesome. No, he wasn't even good. <laughs> he went to Fairfield for college in his best season, his senior year of college, was second team all Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, how? He's, he's, he's like the number two goalkeeper for Arsenal now, one of the biggest clubs in the world. He did not get drafted in the MLS draft. He made he got like a free agent contract with the New England Revolution and just kind of worked his way up and got he was like their third string keeper in MLS for th- his first three professional years and then got so good that he got a, got a deal with, with Arsenal and now he's been there for two years. I'm like, that's kind of unheard of. It's good insane. for him. 
props to him. Matt we, Turner. We talked about Josh Winder fan. earlier. Where did he end up going? He went to oh god, what's the? It's a, it's a club that I've heard of. Yeah, I, same. I think in is it a Spanish club or a Portuguese club. He got a, a record deal, the highest deal for a USL player ever. I know uh, on his loan. Um, oh, it's a oh Ben Ben Fic, Ben Fica? Benfica. Yeah, yeah. There's no I in it though. After the N. Oh, there's not. It's just Benfica. 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 <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Where where is that? It's in Portugal. Portugal. There yep. you go. I knew I, was, I, I had a hunch there. Uh, but I, it's, if I've heard of them, it's usually a pretty big club. His brother's still in Louisville City, right? I don't I have no idea. I don't know about that. I didn't know he had a brother that played. Yeah, I think he played last time I was there. This is Talking Soccer with Mike and Scoots here on a, Come on. On a Monday edition. You love the segment. But I watched last night. We're in the... Yeah, Elijah Winder. Elijah Winder yeah. is, is on, still on Loose City. Yeah. There you go. We love the Winder family. We love soccer here. Go USA. They're in the Gold Cup uh, semifinals now. They'll play Panama. Before I think the other semifinal is Mexico and Jamaica. When's the semis? No idea. <laughs> they played Cincinnati last. I'm assuming they have like probably like what this coming weekend. You did a lot of research today. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like the gold cup. Let's see the. Oh God. It's got to be this weekend. There's too much time between games. We're gonna win. That's all that matters. <laughs> if the internet were better, I'd tell you. But it's 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 okay. We're gonna be fine. But go USA. Go Loose City. Go Racing Louisville. I watched soccer last night. It's going to be... Well, that's not right. Never mind. Scratch that. Move on. Uh, I got it. Wednesday. Oh, nice. So we don't have to wait that long. No, we will play at 10 o'clock. It's in San Diego. Why did they make them travel so far? They were in Cincinnati last night. They're going to San Diego on Wednesday. 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock Eastern. The other semifinal between Mexico and Jamaica is at 7.30 in Las Vegas. And then the the championship match will be su- the final will be Sunday at seven thirty p.m. in Inglewood, California. Always up to no good at SoFi Stadium. Hmm. Let's get it done. Let's get it done, Americans. Wednesday at ten o'clock. What a joke! If I was only doing your show this week, I'd stay up and watch it. But uh, that's you. not going to happen. I hear you. All right, we'll take a few texts here uh, on the Thornton Sex Line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Coming up in hour number three, uh, we'll talk a little about a negative. Projection for Louisville football, at least negative in, in relation to the ones that we've been seeing so far this summer. We can rehash some Kenny Payne takes. Uh, we can also talk about the latest and final addition to Louisville's TBT roster. Discuss that. Potential starting lineups. All that good stuff. Texture says, it, it was the players, Mike, but in all seriousness, I just think the energy around last season made it impossible to win. Losing three straight games at home to start the season all by one and losing a handful of games very similarly on top of just not being very talented seemed to make it impossible. We thought the best, the two best players on the team would be Ellis and Curry, and Curry is now at Grand Canyon, the same place that Gahan went. We were doomed from the start. I think we were, I think we were doomed to be a bad team, again, by our standards, and I said as much. Like, like last season, I, I thought that we were going to be about as good, maybe slightly worse, as we were the year before. With the Mike Pegues, Chris Mack team. And how many wins did that team have? 13. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to win 11, 12, 13 games last season. That's that's kind of where I was. And people were very upset with that that prediction. I now did not. Yeah, I, I did not think that we were going to be four wind bad. And maybe the Texas right. Maybe if, let's say that Louisville comes out and, and beats Bellarmine, beats Wright State, beats App State in three competitive Close games, but we we win. We're three and zero. We do what we're supposed to do. Maybe they, they don't fall apart. Maybe 
Maui isn't as much of a disaster as it was. But I still eh, think I think Maui was going to be a disaster either way. But I'm, if you if you win that. those first three games, that does give you momentum to when you're playing teams that aren't the caliber of the teams that were in Maui. I'm kind of with you. I I think Maui still would have gone insanely poorly. Maybe yeah. they're they're a little bit closer in those games against Arkansas and Texas Tech and Cincy, but it, it still it just felt like we were overmatched. And I mean, I, the when we came out and looked the way we did against Lenore Ryan, and I know a lot of people tried to downplay it after it happened. I just thought like that this is a huge huge red flag to come out to not really seem like they have any semblance of a system to not really play hard and just to look. I mean, I, I think. My tweet in the first half was, I expected it to be bad. I never thought it would be this bad, which wound up being... Is that the one you just kept retweeting? No, my, the one I'll keep retweeting is, is uh, whatever, I'm already dead inside. I was oh, yeah, that's inside. right. And that's from like, the, like 2017. <laughs> but that that tweet was like basically some of the entire season. Like They just, they never came. I, I think it was doomed to a certain degree. Should it have been that bad? No. And I, I, I will scream that for as long as I live. There is never a situation... I don't care if it's postseason ban, death penalty, can't play on TV, can't take players taller than six feet. Whatever the punishment is, whatever the situation is, Louisville basketball should never be four and twenty-eight bad. I don't think there's any excuse for that, and I stand by that from last year. Having said that, I do think that they were. It's not like there was a magical formula out there that could have turned that group into an NCAA tournament team. I, I, I don't believe that. Texas says scoots. Trevor can barely get himself off the ground even without the skateboard. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that that's, you even thought that was a question. That, is, yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to have to ask him next time I see him. Trevor, jump for me. Can, I, I want to see how high you can jump. Can you, Ollie? No, hell no. I, I mean, I can't even. I was, a, I was never a big skateboard kid. I was always the kid that, so I lived out in rural country, Indiana, had a lot of hills out there. So we would always sit down on sco- on skateboards and just ride down the hills that, that was way. fun. Yeah, that was a blast. I would do that. Yeah. Yeah, I could never. But I could, if I tried to stand, oh, I'd break every bone in my body. Now, Trevor did jump once in the studio about a year ago at the old Taylorsville studio. Two think, inches, three inches? Well, somebody said that if could Trevor jump high enough to fit a piece of paper underneath his, his feet? He did get off the ground. It was, okay. I mean, it was what you expected. It was, <laughs> he, he, was pretty, he was pretty tired for the next couple of days. It, it wore him out. It took a lot out of him, but he did, he did actually get off the, the ground. But could he get off the ground with a skateboard? Absolutely not. Yeah, that was ludicrous. My bad. Texture says the quote about pain uh, from Payne about building a program quote the right way does nothing to give me confidence about his ability as a head coach. He seems dead set on not changing with the times and adapting, which as as we've seen in the past, coaches not willing to change with the sport get left behind, as does the program. And I know I'm repeating myself a little bit. The reason why I have such a hard time understanding it, too, is he was so instrumental in the success of a program that was, quote, doing things not the right way back with that viewpoint with Kentucky, who was going the one-and-done route and doing things that, you know, other programs were saying that they didn't want to do when the reality was they just they couldn't do it. I, I don't understand the old-school mentality when you cut your chops or you've had your most success at a program that kind of bucked the old school mentality and was doing things the new school way and having a lot of success doing that. I just, I, I don't really, if it works, nobody cares. Great. I think my issue is I don't see it working. Now you've got to, you are seeing some programs that like, like for instance, Duke didn't lose the only power five program this past season that didn't lose a single player to the transfer portal. Didn't bring in players in the transfer portal because they didn't have to. They, you know, Kyle Filipowski could be player of the year. Jeremy Roach was 
great on a Final Four run a couple of years ago. They've they've got guys. They've kept guys in the program, and they're adding in big time freshmen. They lost one of them, though, baby. That's right. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I forgot. Pumped. Like, if you can do that, great. Kenny Payne is betting that he can do the same thing that John Shire is doing, which is add maybe a couple a transfer player, portal player or two who checks a lot of the boxes that he needs, but primarily he's going to do it with his recruiting and his development of players. We're gonna have to see. Like, like again, he's that's where he's pushing all his chips in on. If it works, wonderful. But I don't think that you can't you you can't ring that bell again this offseason if you win nine or ten or eleven games this year. Like that, that can't be the excuse. We're building things the right way. We're slowly growing. When it's so much easier now than it was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, to have that instant success, and a program like Louisville should be on the forefront of of taking advantage of that loophole. I, that's where I am. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, five o'clock hours up next. We'll get more of your all's thoughts in the text line about the Kenny Payne comments. We'll talk about the the TBT roster being finalized and a negative projection for Cardinal football. All that and more. Coming your way in hour number three, it's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. Hour here, Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 Big. What is this song? I don't know, but I'm regretting instantly was, letting Trevor pick that, the music. That is a classic Trevor. It's like, Good what? Grief. what? Did he, he'd be singing every word if he were here, but he is not Trevor Kelsey away for this Stupid week. Stupid girl. I think that was, that was a bad I'll sing song. it for him. That was, that was a bad was song. Justin Kalen, aka Scooter Dingus, is in the house. Uh, we've had some fun in the first two hours. One more hour to go here, and we're going to kick it off. One of my favorite things every year is when they release the promotional calendar for the upcoming home games for basketball and football because invariably there's some stuff we're like oh that's cool and some stuff we're like ooh, we're, we're really trying to push that so always curious to see when the color out games are going to be and what other fun stuff we have planned and this just came out from uh, Rocco Gasparro over at UofL the promotional calendar for the home football schedule for 2023 out there at LNN Credit Union Stadium the Fed don't call it that the Fed <laughs> Uh, Thursday, September 7th, versus Murray State. First home game of the year. It's going to be a blackout. Nice. Murray State with a, getting blackout treatment. I guess this is more about Jeff Brom and the homecoming. Yeah, and for sure. Doing it in a night game where you you, you know it's going to be a night game. Um, but still, a little bit strange. That's a, that's okay. Um, they're also going to be this, they're going to honor the jersey of Ernest Gibbons on this night. Uh, his number 29 will be added to the honored jerseys in the stadium. It's the 27th jersey to be honored in program history. Givens holds the Louisville records for punt and kickoff returns and was selected in the second round of the 1986 NFL draft and then played 10 seasons in the NFL. So that's the that's week one, I guess week two, first home game. I'll be the first to tell you I love a good Louisville blackout. To me, it ranks, I mean, it's probably in the top three in terms of college atmospheres, color out. I mean, obviously behind the whiteout at Penn State. Yeah. Um, what are some other good ones that are just electric? When they've when they've had a good one, it's been. I think the, I think the issue is they've had some some games that haven't been all that 
yeah. great when they've done the blackout. See a bunch of pink seats. Yeah, yeah, especially in recent years. <laughs> and even, even when they're good, like the Lamar season in 2016, they did it for Duke, and it was like, okay, well, yeah, this is. And we played bad. Uh, we've had some bad, some bad games in, in the blackouts. But when they're good, it's awesome. I, ideally, you'd love to have it for if we're five and zero, and the Notre Dame game gets the night game treatment. But mm-hmm. you just. You, you never know. If it's a noon game, it feels weird. You maybe do a red out for that. I don't know. Maybe we will do a red out. I haven't even looked at this. I'm just I'm making my way down. So we're doing blackout and Ernest Givens honoring his jersey on September seventh. So Saturday, September twenty third. Ooh, this this may be the early leader for the biggest event of the of the year. President Kim Shatzel inauguration week. Oh my gosh! This game kicks off inauguration week as U of L gets ready to celebrate the inauguration of its nineteenth president. Dr. Kim Schatzel, play It's Inauguration Day from Frozen. Is that more of a tribute to her or goodbye to Binda Pooty? <laughs> Maybe goodbye to like the 50 interim presidents we've had over the last three <laughs> years. The window is open, so's that door. It's also Kids Day as it returns to LNN Stadium as the youngest members of Card Nation take over the game and participate in a range of in-game activities. Uh, there's also going to be an AG Day tailgate. An ag day? A ag day? Yeah, bring everybody bring their tractors and trailers. A pregame tailgate is scheduled at the alley for the inaugural ag day tailgate. Agricultural vendors and associations yeah. from across the state will provide a barbecue meal. It's going to be a ticketed event. Corn on the cob. It's also going to be, it's, it's also extra, God, this is, it's like 17 different things. Extra <laughs> yard for teachers, educator, appreciation day. If I'm an educator, I don't like, I don't like sharing my day with, with kids <laughs> and ag and Kim Schatzel. I don't know how I feel about that. It's also Spirit Day. The Louisville Cheer Squads and Ladybirds will host a youth clinic prior to kickoff. It's Cardinal Family Weekend, and it's Scout Day. Jeez, OP. The Scouts are getting overshadowed here. How the Scouts getting any? Well, the Scouts are kids, <laughs> so you don't get your own day. You have to kind of share. It's like having your birthday on Christmas. I feel like this isn't fair. Um, Saturday, October seventh. This is the Notre Dame game. It is U of L two hundred twenty fifth anniversary day will mark the 225th anniversary of the University of Louisville, and we'll celebrate this milestone against Notre Dame on October 7th. Oh, it's also going to be they're honoring Brian Brom's jersey. Louisville native and current UofL offensive coordinator Brian Brom will have his number 12 added to Louisville's honored jerseys. I disagree with this move. As a, as a classic villain, as Brian Brom being rivals now for uh, 20 years or so, <laughs> I, can't, uh, I, I can't accept this. So you're telling me Louisville started in 1798? Yeah. That's it's, crazy. It's on, the, it's on the little crest thing, the little logo. That is yeah. nuts. It is wild. Those are the only two. I mean, God, Brom lucks out here. Brom doesn't share his day with like really anything. <laughs> it's like cool anniversary. It, it's basically Brian Brom Day for Notre Dame. My hunch is that they're leaving that a little bit open. If it does wind up being bigger, maybe you do a red out. Maybe you do something else. You know, maybe college game day is there, and you don't want to plan big time events that could overshadow it. I think they probably are leaving that one a little bit open for a reason. Saturday, October twenty eighth, with Duke in town is homecoming weekend. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory of all the homecoming festivities. It's also Alumni Weekend and Hall of Fame Weekend, as Louisville will honor the newest inductees into its Athletics Hall of Fame. The 2023 class has not been announced yet, but they'll be acknowledged during the game. That should be, I mean, it's, look, it's homecoming. I know you, you typically pick a weak opponent for homecoming. Duke's going to be pretty good this year. It's one of the better ACC opponents on the schedule. Is there anything worse than big-time college homecomings? What do you like, mean? Just like, you know, when you're in high school and you have homecoming, you know everybody that's on the court. Oh, and all yeah. How that. It, just, it just doesn't feel And the then, same. like, college, you're like, who the hell's that? I'm, yeah. 
there's 40 other thousand people on campus. How would I ever run into him? Yeah, Ohio State has like 108,000 enrollment. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, Kenny, I voted for him. Yeah. He's, he, he deserves <laughs> it. He's great. I remember there was a run there where UofL just voted an athlete every single year. I think they finally had to put the kibosh on that because it uh. started with Kyle Couric, and then it was like, I think Peyton Siva won and some other, and they were finally they were like, okay, we, we just, they're just voting for the most visible person. Who gets to vote for that? I never got a ballot. I think it's students. That's ridiculous. Well, should have seeked it out. Yeah, you should have made something happen. You, you should have run. <laughs> I won in high school. Did you really? You were homecoming kid? Yeah, homecoming kid. That's awesome. Yeah, I could have repeated. We never, I don't think we ever had, oh, it turned even. Yeah, it's, they, don't have, <laughs> they don't really have a court. It's just just dudes. <laughs> would have been a little bit awkward. Give give one of them queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would <laughs> That would have the caused, more feminine one gets the queen. That would have caused all sorts of headlines. <laughs> Saturday, November 4th, is Military Appreciation Day with Virginia Tech in town. Cards will host their annual Salute to Service game. I'm sure we'll have some unique uniforms for that. It's also Band Day, as the Marching Band Day will provide an opportunity for high school band students to see a collegiate marching band and football team at their best. Thursday, November 9th. Oh, this is... Oh, oh, how about this? Thursday, November 9th versus Virginia... Glow game. What's that entail? The cards will debut a special themed uniform for this Thursday night game. Fans should expect a unique and fun glow in the dark and LED light effects throughout no the game. Way. This is the game to get high and go to. Yeah. If you if you've got gummies lying around, or drop some acid or something. Have yeah. a good time. No this kidding. Is, it's also season ticket member appreciation day. I bet it is. Maybe you include a little gummy with it. That's. <laughs> Not, we're not there yet, Mike. Give it, <laughs> give it another year. <laughs> we've got we've got a few we've got a, a while to few go. Few hoops there. to jump through. Man, that's I was not expecting that glow game. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds could be sweet. Fun. At Thursday night as well. Um, Saturday, November twenty fifth is the annual battle for the Governor's Cup game against Kentucky. Senior day as well. Uh, they don't say it's a it's a red out. They typically want you to wear red for that game. So there it is. That, that's these are the promotional. Okay, I'm I'm still just reacting to the glow game. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I'm very intrigued. Now, we don't have legalized pot yet. We don't have... You know, yeah, we just got medical, Mike. We're, just, we're getting medical. We're getting there. But I did see that today we found out when exactly we are going to get sports betting. Oh, yeah? They did have a big meeting today. They had a big meeting today. Yeah, and Red Mile. The result of that is that in-person sports betting in Kentucky is going to be uh, rolled out on September 7th. Okay. Online sports betting is going to come September 28th. Three weeks later. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. So you'll have to wait if, unless you want to show up. I'm assuming there will be like a sports book at Churchill Downs, like uh, probably some of the other racetracks and and uh, other spots. But if you don't want to venture out to one of those, all you have to do is wait three weeks or just come over here where we are right now and just load that FanDuel app up and you'll, you'll be fine. But September 8th or September 7th, in sports betting, in person sports betting will be legal. And then September 28th, three weeks later, Online sports betting will be legal. It's coming. It's actually happening. I didn't think it was going to happen this quick. I thought we'd be dead last. We're not dead last. We're only slightly behind, well, reasonably behind the rest of the country. We can gamble here in Kentucky coming up in just, what? Two like months. Two months? Yeah. So you, you can't gamble on the Georgia Tech game, but you could go to a brick and mortar and place a bet for the Murray State game. This is right. This and is- then you can't do it on your phone until the NC State game. If you want to load up for, um, Kim Schatzel night <laughs> against Boston College, you're going to have to do it in person. Yeah. But if you want to, I don't know, if you want to go all out in the glow game versus Virginia, you can do that wherever. Yeah. Just pop the phone out. That's going to be so awesome. Especially for me, I, I live over here in Indiana, so I have 
it's pretty accessible to me. But there are times where I'm over at work in Louisville and I can't do anything. I'll be sitting there watching a sport on TV and it's like I can't can't make a play here. This stinks. I'm gonna try to resist. I, I, I don't. No, you shouldn't. It's I so only fun. bet on horse so racing. Fun. I don't like it. I don't, I don't just know. give yourself an allowance that you want to stick to every month and and just play on that. It's way too fun to pass on. Well, so the, the only reason – so I, I opened a FanDuel account a couple months ago when we went to the, the Memorial Golf Tournament in Columbus. We mm-hmm. went up there with friends just because I wanted to be a part of like the – we were doing the prop – they have prop bets. Like yeah. when you go to a hole, you can just like sit there. Yeah. And if, if Ricky Fowler's playing with, you know, Justin Thomas, you can say like pick who's going to win that hole. And also like when I signed up, they gave me like $250 in, in free bets. Like if you, make you have like, to play through. Yeah, it's like $25. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hell yeah. I just like blew through it that weekend. I deposited – I think $150 and I cashed out with like $475. So like, that's like beating the system. Yeah. Right. Like you, 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 they expect you to keep coming back and keep depositing more money. Like I just took it all out. And now like the emails are relentless. We're like, Hey, <laughs> come on back. We've been thinking a lot about you. <laughs> got a great deal for you. Or it's like, Hey, we've got a mission for you. I'm like, you're not going to, you're not going to trick me that. So there, I think I left like 23 bucks in there. Because I, I I took out the most you could at that point. You Tom. sounded like Tom Crean when you said that. Did I really? Did you ever hear that story? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. About I've him reaching about out you. to recruit. I've been thinking about you a whole yeah. lot. <laughs> Which was just the creepiest thing of all time. But I, I'm sure I'll end up putting like some, some money into the back into the FanDuel account. And I just don't want to get too. I, I feel like you have better odds than horse racing. Yeah, but the allure of horse racing for me—it's more fun—is is the big hit. I agree. Like you, you like I, I love. There's nothing better than just sitting at your house on like a Saturday afternoon and you flip on the TV. Oh, there's horse racing on. Let me break out the Twin Spires. And then, like, I mean, I've hit a pick four for like forty three hundred before. Like, really? That's just not. I, I guess that's if awesome. Do, if you do parlays, but like, it's just not. It's not the same. Like, yeah. I, and I feel like I'm pretty. Well, I say I'm pretty good at horse racing. I'm good at horse betting in spurts, and then I'm really bad at horse betting. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably pretty common. Kind of the way that I think it works. I think it's why they, they make money. All right, I've been teasing this for a little bit, but I do want to share collegefootballnews.com. They came out with their UFL preview a week ago. Now they've come out with their season prediction game by game. You've got a lot of people out there that are saying, you know, the over-under for Louisville football Seven and a half or eight. Take the over. They're going to win at least eight games. They should win nine with the schedule. They're going to be a lot better. College Football News says not so fast. They are projecting a six and six season for Louisville, mm. and they go and they they predict they go game by game. They're actually predicting a season opening loss to Georgia Tech. They're saying that's an L. Cards go down in Atlanta on September first. I mean, it's basically a home game for them, right? For Louisville. Just at a neutral site? No, for it's, it's Georgia Mercedes Tech. It's Stadium. We may have as many fans there as they do. I mean, it'll be... But they're in Atlanta, right? Yeah. They'll have more fans, but like they, it's not a big fan base. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, the stadium won't sell out. No, no, it won't be close. Uh, but it should not be a overly hostile environment, is my point. Probably true. But they've got Louisville losing that game. They have Louisville beating Murray State, then winning at your beloved Hoosiers of Indiana. Boo! In Indianapolis. Is it close? Do they give a score prediction? They don't have a score. They're just going to win. The cowards route. (laughs) They've got Louisville beating Boston College in their first uh, ACC home game. They have them losing at NC State on Friday night, September 29th. With a new quarterback? Well, their new quarterback is Brennan Armstrong from Virginia, who threw for like 500 yards against us two years ago, but did not play well against us last year. So there's that. They have us losing three straight, actually. At NC State on the 29th, they have us losing the Notre Dame game. And then they have us losing at Pitt. All three of those, I think, are, are, are reasonable. You can see that happening. They have us beating Duke on October 28th. They have us beating Virginia Tech on November 8th. And then beating Virginia. Nice little three-game winning streak. 
But then they have us ending the season with losses at Miami and then at home against Kentucky for a 6-6 six and six season. Now, like none of this is outrageous. I, the Georgia Tech one is probably the one that I have the most problem with, but it's a season opener. We all thought Louisville was going to blow out Syracuse last year, and they ended up getting just demolished, 31-7. So if you want to say this is going to be the big surprise, so be it. The other five losses, I think, are the most likely five losses on the schedule. My question is, if this season happens, 6-6 six and six, with this exact scenario playing out, three-game losing streak, three-game winning streak, and then two-game losing streak to end it, how mad is the fan base going to be? Like, I think that they're going to be disappointed, without question, because the expectation for Braum right now, I think, is... I mean, seven and five people would be like, eh, well, wasn't quite as good as we thought, but it, but it's okay. Eight and four is you you met expectations. Good year. Anything better is is great. Like we love this guy. We're only going to get, you know, the, the, the ceiling is the roof. To quote Michael Jordan. But six and six, I feel like people are going to be disappointed. I agree. Especially not beating Kentucky again, setting a new record for consecutive losses to Kentucky in the modern era of the rivalry. Ending it with back-to-back losses, not starting off on a high note. I feel like in this scenario, you never really get to take off. Because you start off with a loss and people are pissed off right away. You win three games that you kind of feel like you're supposed to win. Then you lose three straight. You've got a losing record. The winning streak is fine, but then you you, you end it on such a, a down note. I think people would go into the, to the offseason pretty critical of Jeff Brom if this is the way that it winds up playing out yeah I would agree a thousand percent and a lot of that I feel like is probably because a lot of fans are taking their frustrations from basketball and turning that into hype for football and just be being really excited about the upcoming season and and you had that article a week or whatever it was ago said Louisville is going to be favored in all 12 and everybody keeps talking about how easy the schedule is so it almost does set up for a perfect storm to be let down in the end, but it, it just all how it plays out. And for me, for the week week schedule portion, Louisville's only playing one cupcake team. I mean, and it may be a week schedule in terms of ACC opponents, but they're playing Murray State. Everybody else is Power Five. You you don't see a whole lot of schools do that. I mean, the the Kentuckys of the world, the SEC teams, they don't want to go to nine conference games because it takes away one of those cupcake games. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it on KRC. If if Louisville and Kentucky don't play anymore. Or if the, if the SEC moves up to nine conference games, Louisville and Kentucky wouldn't play anymore. And it's like, why? They can still play. I'm with you. I, I, it's I, ridiculous. I, I think it's a good point, too. I think if you had six and six this season with a schedule, I think you'd have a lot of people, and justifiably so, who would look back and say, the schedule was so much easier this year than it was a year. Like last year's team with Satterfield, who we all were celebrating leaving, would have probably won eight games against this schedule. And that would be that would be a disappointment. But the schedule also, like you said, Murray is is a cupcake. It's the yeah. yeah. It's the game that I think we all wanted to have last year instead of James Madison, which was a terrifying buy game. But outside of that, there's nobody that you look at and say, at least right now, you never know how a season's going to go. But there's nobody else you look at and say definitively, that's a game we circle and say should not have a problem in. There are just so many uh, unknowns. You can circle Indiana. Yeah, I mean, from a Hoosier fan, you can circle. You should. Indiana. You should. I mean, but Indiana's so like I feel like they've been good when they've been supposed to be terrible, and they've been. Well, we were supposed to be terrible last year. Well, we that's were just, terrible. that's the one year where it's kind of. Gone. We were supposed to be good the year before last and year, and we won two games. Yeah, well, so that's when it kind of started to go down downhill yeah. for Tom Allen. But I mean, you you never know. You've still got Big Ten talent up there. It could be a little bit tricky, and also, I mean, 
Jeff Brom does have a history of winning the big one, but also slipping up in a game that everybody has circled as, as a potential win. Yeah, but he beats Indiana. I think this is the I think that's the biggest problem with this scenario playing out is you don't have a game on there. This feels like a Satterfield season where it's like, eh, we beat the teams we were supposed to beat. We lost to the teams that we were supposed to lose. And there's there was no Jeff Brom moment. Like it, it, Purdue, he would have seasons that record-wise were very similar to Louisville's, but he'd toss in a, a win over a top-five Ohio State or a top-five mm-hmm. Iowa. And we just never got that. Like Louisville's biggest wins when Scott Satterfield was here were – a couple of wins over Wake Forest, who, don't get me wrong, Wake Forest has, has made strides as a program, but it's still Wake Forest. It's still a program that you feel like you should be better than on an annual basis. And so it was hard to hang your head on, especially when you're not just losing to your arch rival in Kentucky. You're getting your ass handed to you every single November by ridiculous margins. And then every other time where you had a chance to beat a Clemson or Florida State, a lot of times you just you felt well. Every time against Clemson, you fell short, and a lot of times against Florida State, you felt like you had their number and didn't get it done. I think that would be the issue with this season: is you don't have a a gigantic win. But again, going game by game, you never know. Maybe Virginia Tech winds up being fantastic this year. Maybe Virginia winds up being awful. Like we have no idea how good these teams that we're playing in October and November are going to be by the time that we get there. We thought Syracuse was going to be awful last year. They won their first what six games and. Ended up being just okay, but still, we're way better than we thought they were going to be. But six and six, I think we can all agree, fairly or unfairly, would feel like a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Whether it would be anger-inducing, I think is a, is a different question. But you probably would see a little bit of that, especially if you know if basketball, like you said, starts going south again early on. I think that you would have a lot of a whole lot of "woe is me" stuff, which I would kind of get. Um. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. The last thing that I want to get to before we, we turn it over to the text line is the Louisville TBT roster has been finalized today, and oh my God. It's dirty. Earl Clark is back. My guy, one of my favorite players of all time, one of the coolest guys who's ever come through this program, is coming back to round out the roster. E5, the reigning big three defensive player of the year, is joining the uh, the, the TBT roster for this upcoming season. Look, I say that jokingly, Earl has still played at a very high level the last couple of years. He had a five-year NBA career. He had the Earl Sanity month in, in L.A. with the Lakers. He has played in the Big Three. He's playing overseas right now in Puerto Rico. He's a guy that I think can really help you in a, in a format like this. But the roster, if you're looking for a quick catch-up, the 12-man roster for the, the Ville team that's going to play in this tournament starting later this month is Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, Earl Clark, Kyle Couric, Chinano Inouaku, Wayne Blackshear, Shane Bahannon, Dylan Avar, Rakeem Buckles, and then three non uvl players, Chris Dow, who played at Bellarmine, is a, is a local boy, Nick Mayo, who played at EKU, and Omar Pruitt, who played at William & Mary. This is a solid squad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough to, you know, which one of these guys are, how many of these guys are still in, in playing shape, how close are they to the, you know, what we saw in college. It's why I saw a lot of people doing the who should the starting lineup be, like I don't even know. Like, like it's, it, it, you think about them as college players. Like I, I know Kyle Kirk has had a very successful career in Europe, but I haven't watched his games with Barcelona. I, I'm not watching Earl Clark play in Puerto Rico. I'm assuming they're still playing at a high level. But I like who's playing at the highest level? Who still has the the, the youngest body in an old frame? Like I just don't know. I'm assuming Siva and Smith are going to start in the backcourt. But after after that, I mean, Kirk has been a very decorated European player for a long time. I feel like he 
maybe deserves a role or a Clark uh, deserves a role. You're lacking a little bit inside. Sean Onawaku is the only true big man on the roster. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. But they, you know, they're going to be fun. There's no question about that. I, I'm excited to watch them. I just hope that they. I hope that we don't have all this hype and all this excitement going into the, in the, the like one and done because you only get you're only guaranteed to play one game. It's a single elimination tournament. Uh, they play War Eagle, a team of mostly Auburn alums, in uh, the first game on July 25th. Just, you know, let, let's get a little bit of momentum. Let's win that first one and then see what can happen after that. I'm excited about it. It should be fun. Would you like to have an Indiana TBT team? I would, yeah. Would love nothing more. I think it, it, you know, Indiana, at least you've got enough going for you positive. Like, like Louisville mm-hmm. fans didn't really start clamoring for a TBT team until the actual UFL team started not giving us a whole lot to cheer about. Like, it, But it's a nice little summer distraction. I'm excited about you know, seeing – I mean – also, like, you know, Freedom Hall. We haven't watched a Louisville-ish team playing Freedom Hall since, you know, the last game with Kyle Couric. We've mm-hmm. had Bellarmine play games there. We've had some all-star games there. Um, with the, I think the women's team played Bellarmine there. But as far as, like, Louisville men's basketball, this will be the closest we've gotten to a, a Freedom Hall revisit. Do you have, should be fun. Do you have one player that is not on the team that you would have liked to see? Um... I'm trying to think of eligible guys. I know David, uh, not David uh, Spalding, David Johnson was working out with the team and a lot of people were hoping, but he's still technically an NBA guy because he's on a two-way contract. So I don't think you could have him. Um, you could get the uh, the guy who was the interim coach, David Padgett. David, I don't know if David's in playing shape I these days. He looks like he's in playing he's shape. He's in great shape for, yeah. for being, you know, we're the same age. But I don't know if his knees are going to let him go out there and, <laughs> and really bang in the post anymore. But hey, I would, I'd like to see David out there. Um, Quentin Snyder, maybe. I think he would be okay. he's yeah, a that's guy a good who was, was really liked well here. I know he's had a lot of success overseas as well. He has had some injury problems as well. I'm not sure if he's healthy enough to play right now. Um, and if Race Balding were good to go, I'd love to have him. He would help in the front court as well. Uh, another guy who I thought I think is vastly underrated when it comes to how good he was here and how good he could have been in the NBA if injuries hadn't derailed him multiple times. Yeah. I'd say Ray. I'd love to have Ray there, if he, but I, I think he's still working his way back from injury as well. Uh, one last note, speaking of working their way back from injuries, I, I've heard you know, about Emmanuel Corafor being held out of a lot of the workouts they've been doing so far this summer as he keeps coming back from his workout from last year. Surprisingly, to me at least, he's on the Canadian team for this global jam. Really? He's going to play against Kentucky that's awesome. on Saturday. Uh, he, he's on the roster at least, so I'm assuming that that's an up-to-date thing. But Kentucky will play against Emmanuel Okorafor this Saturday in one of their first global jam games. That's the uh, tape-delayed one. Is it? Is it yeah, oh, so that'll so the be... The other ones are live? The other okay. ones are live, yeah. The game against Canada will be shown at midnight. And this is, to my understanding, this is the best team that they're going to play over there. The, the Canada team. They've got the kid from uh, from Iona who's so good who's going to transfer to Florida. Um, his name now escapes me. Uh, a core four. I don't know how much he's going to play on this team. But they've got they've got some legitimate college players on this team. So I'm curious to see how it goes. If a core four, you know, if Team Canada wins, then we can actually can we claim a win over Kentucky. I'm going for it. I'm saying yes. We're gonna take a break when we come back. 502-414-1450. We'll take your thoughts on the Thornton's text line. Then we'll look ahead to uh, tonight, the home run derby. We'll get Scoots' thoughts. Is he going to make a wager? How confident is he feeling? We'll find out next. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. 
separated. Hey! I'm good with this one. Yeah, this is way better. It's better than the whatever the girl one was yeah. last time. <laughs> stupid girl. Stupid, stupid girl. <laughs> Welcome back in. Final segment of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450-961. The Big X. Scoots uh, hanging out with us here on a Monday with TK. Out for the week, we'll have young intern Patrick Ryan. Patrick's getting ready for college. Like he's like, he is, yeah. This is that, uh, it's that crazy part of summer where it starts to get a little bit real Big after time. your senior year of high school. We had my, my nephews were out at my house, or my parents' house, last night for my dad's birthday celebration. And my oldest nephew, which is crazy, is now like, Five weeks away from from leaving for college, which I remember. I remember finding out that my brother was going to have a kid my freshman year of college, which is everything kind of comes full circle. And mm-hmm. You're like, it wasn't that long ago. And you're like, oh my god, Stinks. it was. They grow up so fast. They they do. They really stinks. They I really, hate it. Every every day, I feel like my nephews and my niece just get bigger and bigger. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's a wild thing. Do you remember that time? So you did you go? To, you went to college right after high yeah. school. I you no Trevor Gap years. Nope. That like, the summer. You, I feel like those first. That first month of summer, you're like, I'm not even worried about leaving. Like, right. I got all, all the time in the world. Yep. And then you get past Fourth of July. I think it starts to creep in a little bit. Like, you, you got to buy the bed. You got to the, the bedding. You got to get stuff ready. Like, you're starting to do orientation stuff online. It just kind of kind of creeps up on you. And then, mm-hmm. bam, everybody starts leaving. It was a fun time, though. It was a really fun time, but also a while, especially when you get to August and just people started leaving. It was very wild. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we can talk to Patrick about that tomorrow. His emotions, how he's feeling. By the way, we opened the phone lines on Friday. It was just me and TJ on Kentucky Roll Call. And so Patrick decided to call in. Probably the worst <laughs> phone call a station's ever gotten. <laughs> TJ's like, what's up? Patrick's like, I just wanted to call and say hi. <laughs> TJ's like, so what you got? Nah, we're in Atlanta. Like, <laughs> It was so bad. It, it was, was so funny. One time on the, on the old show, uh, <laughs> John's kid, who I love, Austin, called in. It was just like, I was like, hey, man. He's like, he's like, so it it was like it was a terrible day too. I think it was the day like Rick Pitino got like like fired or something, and he was just like, "What's going on?" And like <laughs> we we're like, "Well, Rick Pitino. he's like, oh, I hadn't heard that. That's terrible." <laughs> we all were just like, "What? What is going on?" <laughs> what? Uh, it was a very strange thing. Phone calls are a tricky game to play. It's why we don't play them here. It's why we don't play them on the Mike Rutherford show. Um, it's, well, it's one of the reasons. 502-414-1450. We do play the Thornton text line though. Hit us up there. We'll take some thoughts as many as we can here before the end of the show. Texture says. What current U of L assistant is the most attractive to other teams? Physically? <laughs> Josh Jameson's a good looking man. Gotta be Nolan Smith. I would think it'd be Nolan Smith. In both regards. Dan, I mean, all three of those guys have pretty cemented roles, at least what they're supposed to. I mean, Danny Manning is the he's the veteran who's been a head coach before. If you want to I can see him being an attractive in a situation where you want somebody with that that pedigree you're looking for. Maybe you have a younger head coach at a lower level and you're looking for somebody who's been there and done it before. I mean, that's kind of the role that he's supposed to be playing here. And who still has, I mean, he's got enough name recognition. I know he's recruiting players that certainly never saw him play. But when you say, I want a title at Kansas, look at my jersey being retired, Hall of Fame, all this stuff, like that's going to resonate with kids. So he can still be an asset on the recruiting trail. Nolan Smith has the... The younger vibe. He's got the recruiting ties. He's made inroads there. Um, he was a first-team All-American not that long ago. He can relate to the current players better than older coaches can. And then Josh Jamison is still kind of like the mystery guy. I think people don't really know. You wouldn't really know what you're getting in Josh Jamison. His only experience as an assistant, full-time assistant, is on a 4-28 and team. So that's I think he would be less attractive. But the answer is, as you said, Nolan Smith. I mean, when I Google Josh Jameson, it comes up with an IMDb. 
So well, you spell it? he he spelled oh, his I, last name. Weird. I spelled it wrong. Yeah, that was my issue. I e that was on me. Hand up. I after e except before s. Uh, Texture <laughs> says apparently it's Louisville Day on the ACC network. We talked about it. Uh, the I think the Clemson game basketball game I assume is still going on right now, and it was uh, supposed to start at four. Uh, if you look at the full schedule, they got it over there at, at GoCards.com. Wait, is Josh Jameson Anthony Bennett's brother? Or not Anthony Bennett. Um, Tony Bennett? Man, is, they look a lot alike. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I do. They're just both those like... I can see it a little bit. Now that you say it, I, I, can, I, I can see <laughs> they, it a little They bit. look similar. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but I can definitely see it. Yeah, he's... I take some of his... Tony Bennett's winning <laughs> system. Bring a little bit of that. Texture says, uh, don't we say this for USA basketball, even though we should win without our best players? As far as like the soccer thing, with mm-hmm. us, like, like we're not really trying here. Well, that's true. Except for, I mean, the Olympics, I feel like, is the only time where we actually send our best guys. who want, And even then, though, that, that, that's the difference. Like you said, with World Cup, the best players, like everything shuts down. With the Olympics, half the time, like, what uh, five or six of the best players in the NBA like don't want to play in the Olympics, right? So it's it, it's a little bit different. Which you don't. I mean, I fully believe that you could take all guys from the NBA that weren't all stars the previous two seasons, and they could win them. You should be able to. I mean, you know, when you think about the NBA being comprised, well, like eighty-two percent of the American players, you should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we mentioned recently the the, the FIBA Under Nineteen World Cup. You had I mean, these are the best. 18, 19 year old players in the world, and Team USA gets smoked in the semifinals and the the bronze medal game that loses to Turkey, which I think is is indicative of one they probably did not assemble that roster properly. I think some of the best players they didn't pick, and two these twenty three and twenty four recruiting classes are just not good. Not 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 up to. I mean, we lost to France, who was playing without their three NBA guys. Like Wembenyama did not play. And a couple of the other guys who got drafted did not play. So, by the way, he's shutting it down the rest of the summer. Is he? Well, he had the one yeah. good game. He redeemed himself in game two, and then said, "No, nah, I'm done." Man, he got the taste of American life in a hurry. This, <laughs> yeah, this man's did. been over here for three weeks. He had a, <laughs> a high-profile feud with Britney Spears. That's all over TMZ. <laughs> he's called a bust after playing his first summer league game by every. They called him uh, <laughs> Booty Gobert on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, he has this one good game. I can see him being like, all right, no more of this until yeah. November. I'm going to go just enjoy being a millionaire at 18. This place is brutal. This, yeah, this is, he got the full, he, got the, he, he wasn't ready for it. He got a swift treatment very quickly. Texture says, uh, Ellis Sanchez from Racing uh, Louisville Academy recently signed a pro contract with a Mexican team. The academy is going places, y'all. I like that. I yeah, I did, I did not know that was a thing. That's pretty cool. He says, uh, same person also says, until we find better a better funding model that works for and not against the everyday user advertising. Oh, this is, oh, this, sorry. This is, I thought this was about the, this is about Twitter. I thought, I thought it was about the Academy. It was also sent on Thursday. I know. I, 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 I'm realizing <laughs> that now. Uh, Dexter says, Red's in first place and Earl Clark is back. It's a hot Rutherford summer. It does kind of feel like everything's going my way at this point. Come on. I mean, Red's... Eventually, the Reds are going to have to beat the Brewers, though. They'll win two out of three coming out of the break. I hope so. Trust me. They need starting pitching, too. They still... They've got to figure out who they're going to be willing to axe. Are you going to... I mean, can you part with Jonathan India? He kind of seems like he's not fitting in great. He's, really? He should, well, he should be hitting the three. 
They, they got to move him out of the three-hole. He's killing us right now in the three-hole. He's playing fine at second base, but he's still a little bit of a defensive liability. I, I mean, and I don't think Luke's, uh, Nixon's, uh, I keep calling him Luke, Nixon Zell is going to attract a big-time starting pitching arm. Like, people are going to go after it. You're not going to trade Ellie. You know, we, we all started talking crap about Nixon Zell about a week and a half ago. Like, so, oh, he's on the trading block. You can get rid of him. And then he just comes out and has a monster week last he's, week. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's crushing left-handed pitching, but you've yeah. got – like, somebody's got to go. You've – You've got you can't just rely on Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green coming back in August and being aces. Like yeah. you've got to go out and get a proven starting arm. They were talking. I was watching a little bit of the because my kids commandeer the TV during the Saturday game, so I was watching. <laughs> found like an illegal stream of the Brewers broadcast, and I think it's um it, it, Jason Benetti, who's awesome, mm-hmm. does Brewers games with Eric Karos. Oh, he's not with the White Sox anymore. No, he's, really? he's well. He was doing this game with the Brewers. Oh, okay, I, I assume it's a full time thing. But he was. They were both talking about like, you know. If the Reds make the playoffs, who are you going with in, in a game one? Because they're probably not going to have one of the two best records if they're a divisional winner. You're assuming they're going to be in that wild card round where it's the the two wild card teams and then the third best division winner versus the worst wild card team in a three game series. Three game series starting pitching matters infinitely more than it does during the regular. Who do you rely on at this point? Abbott's been their best pitcher. Oh, I'm going Abbott all day. He's thrown six games. I love Abbott. I do too. But he got, he got. I mean, the Brewers. Just, he got shelled. They hit this week. missiles yeah. off of him on Friday night. Yeah. Like I, you know, you don't. They just don't have anybody. There's no like ace that you feel really confident in. And he was saying like, you know, that's why the Reds may have a more potent offense. They're probably playing better than the Brewers. The Brewers are still a scarier team going into the playoffs. You've got Corbin. I mean, Wade Miley was like a damn ace against us uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, they're going to have to develop some semblance of reliable starting pitching if they're going to be a real threat, not just to make the playoffs, but to do something. There. You're telling me you don't believe in Luke Weaver? <laughs> I mean, the hell, Mike! All he does is pitch in games that they win. I'll <laughs> say that. Like they win, he's got more run support than any pitcher in the history of baseball. He gets 11 <laughs> runs behind him every single game. <laughs> Texas said, I love what KP has to say about a lot of the guys, but I didn't like what he had to say about BHH. I'm starting to think that guy could end up being a lost cause. He did, I don't, I don't want to read between the lines too much, but he did kind of like toss Huntley Hatfield in there as like a guy, you know, we, we need more from Brandon. Like kind of, I, kind of, I had the same thought. You don't want to read too, maybe it was just Kenny Payne kind of trying to cycle through the roster and remembering names as he went, but he did just sort of throw him out there and, it made me think a lot about last season where we all had these sky-high hopes for Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. There was the talk about he wanted to come here and be a lottery pick and just spend one season here, and Kenny Payne was like, let's do it. And then he just – he's a not good player on a not good team. But we – I mean, we need him. The, that front court, like I said, you've got a lot of bodies there. You don't have a lot of proven talent. And he's the one guy that you look at and say, he's done some things at the college level. He's shown some semblance of, of being a potentially really good college player. He's just got to – become more reliable long-term. Texture says, Trevor is Ferdinand, the dog that uses a skateboard as a hover round from the Tom and Jerry movie. <laughs> it's a reference that's over my head, but I appreciate it. My roommate was watching Tom and Jerry the other day. You know they don't talk in that? I did not. I did they not. don't say any words. There's oh, no the cartoon? words. Yeah, it's all I just... I didn't know that. I thought you meant like the new movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'd, I had watched Tom and Jerry like as a kid, but I don't remember it ever just being like sounds. It was really strange, but it was it was it's super entertaining. It, it, Virginia went through a phrase where she really liked Tom and Jerry, so I, I caught up on the old school Tom and Jerry. Yeah, they, they don't. There's no talking. Texas says, "Go USA, go get them." <laughs> Mighty Ducks too. Love it. Well done. Texas, if Patino coached last year's players and started coaching them last August, how many games do you think we would have won? The age old question. 
Texas says, I'd say 10 to 12, a few more wins if he picked up a walk-on point guard late, which he would have. I, I think that's my answer, too. Like, I, I, re- I know some people, I think maybe Trevor said this at one point, where he's like, I think Patino would have taken that team to the NCAA tournament. I, no I don't. Shot. I don't think so. No shot. I, I think the talent level was down. He would have gotten more out of them. Lest we forget there was two guys that could dribble a basketball. That's the thing. It, the, the talent was bad. That's one thing. But it was just it was more about it being such a poorly constructed roster. Having one capable ball handler, I don't think that – maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that there's a, a, a single coach in the country who could have taken that team to the NCAA tournament. Now, could a coach have gotten them on the cusp or in the conversation? Maybe. I, I think probably. I think Patino could have gotten them 13, 14, 15 wins. I think that that's not outside the realm of possibility. But he would not have I – I don't think they would have had a winning record. Texture says the U.S. men's national team isn't fielding their A squad for the Gold Cup because it isn't as important as the Nations League tourney that the U.S. just won to qualify for the Copa America in 2024. The Copa is seen as a precursor, precursor to the FIFA World Cup. Why not both? Why can't they just do both? Why can't, they just, why, why can't we just win everything? I want to win all these tournaments. Sure. Texas says, sorry to hear about your guy Dylan Lawson. Go Rocks. I never was a Yankees fan, though, so now I really have no reason to like them. I am happy that I get to like like lose any sort of positive feelings about the Yankees. <laughs> like looking at the Yankees, like seeing if the Yankees score, seeing if they won. Like, I- I'm glad I get to just hope that they lose every game. You don't have to get sad anymore when you check the scores and they get beat by the Orioles 15 to 1. Yeah, I'd always would feel terrible if I like if I saw they'd scored, you know, one run against the Cubs and had to Twitter search his name. The thing and the thing too is, and this is not just Dylan, it's every coach. When the Yankees would go on a big winning streak, if they'd win four games in a row and the offense was performing great and you Twitter search his name, nothing. <laughs> nothing. But they have one game where they get like three hit and it's a million tweets for everybody to be like, you've got to fire this guy. That's the way it goes, I guess. Do you think he Twitter searches his own name? I hope not. I, I know. Yeah, I, that'd be pretty brutal. When we were with his family up in Cincinnati last month, I know his dad was saying, like, he can't. His dad was saying, like for himself, he can't read any of the stuff. Like yeah. he just because even if it's like a nice article about Dylan, he like wants to scroll to the comments and like look at stuff. And he's like, <laughs> I had to just like stop looking. I was like, yeah, that would if that was me and my that was my son, I would definitely have to just remove myself. Texas says it's coronation day. Come on, Mike, the kids are so disappointed in you. I know. I was just making it about inauguration day. The window is open, so's that door. I didn't know we did that anymore. That's a great song. <laughs> Texas says the reason why Kenny Payne only does softball interviews, uh, Rothstein, and had a disastrous press conference after the BC loss is because he doesn't have the mental toughness to handle the pressure and expectations of Louisville basketball. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. We'll find out. Texas says, what about the Reds? Ellie De La Cruz stealing second, third, and home in the same inning on Saturday. First time for the Reds since like 1919. I now know the name Greasy Neal. Because of that, because they kept saying, for like, I saw the stat like seven times where it was like, first time it's happened since Greasy Neal in 1919. I was like, what a weekend for Greasy Neal. <laughs> I think he was the first player to, I saw, steal home, steal, steal those three bases on the same pitcher since like 1939 or something. Yeah. That was one of those, I mean, like, people were talking to me about that all day yesterday. People who like don't care about baseball were like, that's incredible. Like I, I jumped out of my seat watching it when my husband showed me the highlights or whatever. Like, it was just when you think that guy is about to stop amazing you. 
he does something like that. It was one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. How many times have you watched that video? At least 25. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. It's, I mean, th- my new favorite part is when Joey, when he starts going for home and Joey's in the on-deck circle and Vano just like leaps up yeah. and like this like giddy, like <laughs> childlike, just like, I can't believe this is actually happening. I mean, you'd see that stuff every now and then in like Little League or Travel Ball, maybe every now and then in high school, but I haven't seen a major leaguer do any or attempt anything like that. Is there anyone who's happier right now than Joey Votto? I mean, he is just fitting in with all these kids. He's wearing the hat backwards. He's, he's always smiling. Hit. They're winning. Like it's it's been a lot of fun. And he's starting to hit the ball really well. He too. is, yeah. Texas could the glow game unis be the football infrareds? My my mind is going nuts with the the the, the glow game. I, I've got to see these uniforms. I want to know what this is going to look like. I'm very excited about it. Texas says that is a non. Oh, this is to you. Sorry. This this that is a nonsense argument about Louisville not being big to young players. It's a hell of a lot bigger than Baylor, which was Rutherford's point. That is a nonsense argument. <laughs> <laughs> Texture says, aren't they currently building a casino or gambling site in downtown on Market? I don't know. Not sure. Texture says, Mike, college football betting is the easiest if you just pay slight attention and find good spreads. I'd start there. It's fun and easy. I Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I'm not even a big college football fan. I don't watch a whole lot of college football other than Indiana. I like to put myself through that pain. But, yeah, <laughs> it is It is pretty easy to bet college football. I've always heard that, like, early on, too, you can find a trend and it takes a while for the market to correct. Like, the mm-hmm. one year where I – I can't remember what rule change it was. But, like, the, the under was hitting every single game for the first, like, three weeks. And everybody was cleaning up on college football. So, yeah, maybe if I, if I do – the, I won't bet on U of L sports. The NBA summer league started out ten and zero to the over in their games. That was pretty cool. Hmm. Then, but then they fluctuated at twenty points north and started hitting some unders. Texas says, "Is there any other realm of sports that clings to a modern series record like Louisville does in football against Kentucky? I mean, anywhere they had like a hundred year break in the series. I, th- I mean, if you want to talk about." Thump your chest over the games that were played in 1908. You can. That's that's <laughs> fine. But yeah, I think that the the modern series is a better account of how this has gone. Again, unless you care about what Kentucky did to Louisville in 1912. Texas, I'd love to see T. Will on the TBT roster. Well, that's a good one. Kind of have to get some bail money. I think he's in jail. I believe he's. In, I believe his prison sentence has started. What did he do? He led the this this kind of. Don't, don't tell me January 6th. No. <laughs> it was COVID related. They, 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 uh, it was fraud, a, a fraud scheme to take advantage of the NBA's like COVID pay system for uh, former players. Gotcha. Like he, yeah, he, he, and he was like the leader of that. Texas says, uh, Mike, he's on Team Africa, not Canada. Is that yeah, right? For, for Manuel Corfor? Uh, that's really bad on your part. Isn't I, he from Africa? Yeah. For some reason, though, I saw, I swear, I saw him on the, the Canadian team. Well, that's on me. Hand up. <laughs> I guess they're playing Saturday. Texas is my only hesitation about the TBT is most of our players are in their mid to lower 30s. Also, a big fan of Ray and Q. Both would have been awesome to have. Yeah, I mean, that, that is certainly a concern. But I, I saw the, the highlights of Russ Smith the other day at that Pro-Am, like lighting up everybody were pretty impressive. Texas, would you mind having your co-host define and differentiate between RB sauce, horsey sauce, and barbecue sauce? Thank you. Is that me? I think they're trying to get... Uh, See, test your knowledge against Trevor. Horse, horsey sauce is horseradish. Barbecue sauce, we all know what that is. And Arby's sauce is like a more mild barbecue sauce. 
Arby's sauce something is other. delicious. I love Arby's sauce. It's I don't know great. what the hell it is, but it's awesome. Same. It's delicious. Texture says, and we got about uh, three minutes here. Why was Dylan fired? Seems strange. He's being used as a scapegoat. Well, I think that's that's it. I mean, I think the offense is performing very poorly. You also there was a story. Is it Volpe who who like has kind of a funky stance, and he didn't help Dylan at all because he started hitting the ball well, and they were like, "Well, what changed?" And everybody's been talking about how he's, he's, his stance is too closed. His stance is too closed, and he said that one of his team, I think Austin Wells, his teammate, had told him that his stance was too closed while they were eating dinner. And people were like, well, why is Lawson not doing this? And I was like, oh, that's not a good look for Dylan. But I, I think it's probably one of those stories that's just a little bit overblown. But, yeah, the team's not performing. They're in fourth place in, in the, the AL East. They're kind of treading water in the wild card race until Aaron Judge gets back. I, I think that they saw somebody had to go, and, and Dylan was a obvious choice, I guess. Texas says, what happened at your dad's birthday party? Did Olivia Crowd pop out of a cake and apologize to him? She did not. She was not there. He had a... Chocolate pie. Did not go with the cake. I'm not even going to ask. Well, it was, my dad got into a Twitter tiff with a Courier Journal writer a, month, for him. a month ago or Good so. Good for him. I was, it was kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> he is. Yeah, she she did not apologize. She has not apologized. I don't think she ever will apologize. Texture says, is the bullpen enough to get it done, or should we just enjoy the ride while it lasts? I have Ellie. I mean hope. The bullpen's been great. Red's bullpen's been terrific. Now I think they do need one, at least one more left-handed arm. And I saw that uh, the Royals DFA'd uh, Amir Garrett, and people were like, "Well, we can go out and Amir. He can't throw strikes anymore. Right? He's walked like twenty guys in twenty-four innings. He also is liable to fight the entire other team, which is entertaining when you're like five games, um, you know, fifty games below five hundred, but not as as entertaining when you're trying to win a, a division. The bullpen's been real. I mean, Diaz has been leads the, the major leagues in, in saves. He's mm-hmm. been great. Lucas Sims, when he's healthy, is really good. Um, they've got Law back now, which is a, a big-time help. Young has been good as a lefty. I think they need one more reliable left-handed arm, but the bullpen's been the least of the worst. Sims kind of reminds me of Ricky Carter. He's wildly effective. Ricky Car- R.I.P. to the Ricky Carter era, by the way, who got DFA'd <laughs> over the weekend. Did he really? He, hey, one for one in save opportunities. That's all that matters. He got it done when the lights were the brightest. <laughs> Texas says UK claiming a national championship is definitely worse than, than than Louisville looking at the modern series. Yeah, making up a fake trophy is is the worst part about that. Texas, what about the Orioles' first round draft pick calling the Baltimore GM before the GM could even call the kid to congratulate him? Oh, I missed that. I didn't see that either. That's but that's, funny. That's kind of a boss move, but also you better be pretty good if that's going to happen. All right, uh, tonight only thing going on is the home run derby Woo-hoo. in Seattle, T-Mobile Park. 8 o'clock on ESPN. I used to be really into the Home Run Derby back in the day. I'm not. Oh, it's more fun now. It is more fun, too. And I, and I, just, I, I don't know. I don't know if it just lost its. Like when Griffey was dominating it and I was like 12, 13, 11. I was very, very into it. And even like the McGuire, Josh Hamilton runs. I remember mm-hmm. watching those and getting into it. The last few years, I just, I'm, I'm not as much of a fan. But it, we do have a bracket this year. You've got Luis Robert Jr. versus Adley Rutschman. Rushman, uh, you've got uh, Adolis Garcia versus uh, Randy Rosarena. Rosarena, thank you. Mookie Betts versus Vlad Jr. And then Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez. Oh no! Yeah, that's the, that's your matchup. Oh no! Because you're going, you're all in on Julio. I am on Julio. Yeah, it's in Seattle, so it's. I mean, there's no way he doesn't win, but he's going up against the guy who's getting all the hype, and he's already won two two of them. I know. Oh, that stinks. Julio is the two seed. I needed him to be up against like Mookie Betts or something. It's a tough draw. Dang it. 
I'm going Vlad Jr. He's got the easy draw against Mookie. He should yeah. win in advance. Tough semifinal matchup, but I'm, I'm calling on him to get hot. I'm going Vlad Jr. winning this thing. Are you sticking yeah. with Julio? I'm still going Julio, all right. yeah. All right. I've said it all week. i gotta, I got to stay on it. All right, enjoy the home run derby tonight or whatever you do on your Monday evening. Enjoy that as well. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Patrick Ryan will be with me. Big shout to Scoots. We'll see him again later this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go Cards. Separated. Hey, the man you disrespect me. You gotta keep them separated. Hey.